And we're recording with lots and lots of numbers. Oh, those are dates and times. That's what the, all those numbers are. Well, welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace. This is episode some number, and I am in an undisclosed location with Russell Douglas. And I have no idea why I just made you listen to me unplug that. Sorry. Get to listen to it. Go pluggy, pluggy, pluggy. So, Russell, say hello to everybody. Are you on? Yeah, it's on. It's on right there. Look at it. All right. Hello. That's uh, that's my dog squeaking. I'm <laughs> now like Livingston. You're not gonna like get all framed up first and. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 I am not that uh, that crazy about it. like one of the reasons that I do this is because there are guys like uh, like Joey Livingston you know that that have studios and yeah and are way better at worrying about that kind of thing than I am right and so this is fly by the seat of the pants and be I able see. to get somewhere fun and do fun things so so we're doing so I'll come join you over here nice little tabla. That camera where you control that with your phone? Uh huh. It's uh, DJI Osmo that, that I have just fallen in love with. That's also the drone that I use is a DJI. Uh, they do good work. Good, good work. So you know, how long has that camera been out, man? Um. A couple of years now, at least. Yeah, but just a couple. Yeah. 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 But DJI's been around for a while. The Phantom 3's came out a while back, and it's pretty. It's based on that technology. It's pretty oh, much okay. um, the stabilizer and the gimbal off of one of their larger, I think the Inspire drone <clears throat> that's interchangeable. And so they um, just tossed it on there. So we'll, we're going to put this on Facebook. Because I... I don't know. I can't make up my mind. She thinks you're calling her. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. I do that because I'm weird. My apologies. What's the what's your dog's name again? Poot. Poot. What's the story behind Poot? Do I want to know? <laughs> yes, wanna, I want to know. I asked. Of course, I want to know. Um. Uh, well, you know, she we got her at the the Humane Society, and she was pretty young, mm-hmm. and. Uh, when um, when she was si- she was sitting in my lap while we were doing all the paperwork, and she was <laughs> you know dropping dropping some bombs because they had given her like wor- you know worm medicine or whatever, and so we had been watching The Wire. Have you ever seen The Wire? HBO's um, critically acclaimed. I'm familiar with it. I've never never watched yeah. it. Yeah, it's a great show. You should watch it. <laughs> but anyway, there's a character on there. Um, you know, it's all these like hard ass gangsters in Baltimore, and one of them's like they all have like street names, and one of them's name is Poot. And me and my wife thought that was so funny, like this hard ass dude, his name is Poot. <laughs> and so you know, she continued farting from the worm medicine for a couple days, so and I just started well, calling her Poot, and might as well go with it. It kind of stuck, you know. 
and it really uh, it befits her personality. <laughs> good. Good, good, good. And my fat thumbs just don't want to type anything, or we would have been live already. That's okay. Man. I am ruining my record, but... Don't worry about it. I'll get there, I promise. Don't worry about it, man. I'm not. I'm just uh, talking since people can't see me, and they're uh, they're wondering. I did this, I'm, I mistakenly, when I sat down with Tony, did this like halfway in. You know, I watched that one, and, and I saw uh, that. It was horrible. <laughs> that was such a bad idea on my part. I'm trying not to do that again. I guess I actually, I listened to it. I listened to it on iTunes. Heck yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's a steep learning curve, but it's fun because it's kind of seat of the pants. Yeah. And well, yeah, I really, I like, I like you with Tony. So I was like, oh shit, this, you know, the only, the only part that'll be hard is not being able to fucking yell shit out. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Okay, I think, I think, so that's recording, Facebook Live is up and running, and we will turn on the recording, so, yep, getting audio, little mic check, there's the audio, there we are, everything is up and running, and we have a viewer already, hey, Thanks for joining us, whoever you are. Uh, if you don't mind, since I don't have my headphones and you left already, that's okay. But if somebody gets a chance, <laughs> tell us that the audio sounds horrible. They're like, fuck that. He started talking to me. I'm out of here. I don't want to be called out. So, uh, just a little rehash. Welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace. Uh, this is Mr. Russell Douglas and uh, Poot down here behind us. And we are where, Russell? Well... On undisclosed location. Yeah, yeah, no one needs to know that. In a cave. Yeah. That uh, happens to have some nice tapestries. About half a mile below the surface. On the wall, yep, yep. I saw the Batmobile when I walked in. Uh, it's it's very nice. It's very nice. It seems like you have uh, have been padding this place out for a hot minute, though. This is not a first-time job. No, we... Uh, I was in a band called Transmute uh, mm -hmm. for years. And uh, this was our rehearsal space. And uh, that kind of dissolved, and me and two of the guys kept just kind of jamming and messing around. And uh, and then, you know, you know, Sean, mm -hmm. um, his lease was up in his studio, so he needed a spot. and. Uh, me and him had some ideas for projects, so he moved his stuff in. And, excellent, uh, excellent. Yeah, I um, I, I shared the link to the Stem album that you sent oh, me. Oh, thank you. Which was tons of fun. I really enjoyed the uh, Terrence McKenna uh, uh, yeah, on yeah. the the last track, which was the Singularity One or the what was Majority of One? Majority of One. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did that come to be? Since, since what, we're talking what, music, what part? Uh, the whole album, like the um, whole album. Stem. What, what brought that into? into uh, being? well, since that's the one you sent me to listen to. Well, that's Tell me. me that's all me. That's uh, that was you know after the band kind of fell apart. Um, I just 
I wanted to keep working on music, mm-hmm. and uh, so I started, you know, just writing some stuff, and I wanted to see if I could make a kind of post-rockish sort of album with almost exclusively synthesizers, mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah, except for the drums, that's all synth, and um, that's kind of like yeah, that's my thing. I like synths. I mean, I like all this shit, obviously, but. That's the one I know the most, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, so it was just, you know, it was a kind of, a psychedelic, you know, it was inspired by a few trips and <laughs> do tell. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, I mean, musically that was kind of, I don't think I ever came out of like a mushroom or an LSD experience, not being inspired to do something musically. Like it's just, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there's, I don't, I don't think there's writer's block if you, if you don't mind taking psychedelics, you don't run out of, yeah. you don't run out of ideas, you know. You, for sure, for but, sure. Um, I, um, in anticipation of knowing that the two hippies were going to get together and inevitably talk about psychedelics, I posted some small, some Paul, Doctor Paul Stamets. Uh, video and uh, and some other videos today because um, that's something that you and I have discussed before. We've kind of bonded over that, uh, ha- sharing those experiences. And so just to kind of lay a little groundwork before we delve into all these references that a lot of people don't get. Right. Um, and since it is such a hot topic these days, uh, the necessary disclaimers, don't do shit you're not familiar with. Don't do anything unsupervised. Always consult a professional. Don't be an idiot. Uh and, and be responsible adults. Uh, all that being said, um, I've had some great trips and <laughs> were, were <laughs> eye-opening and tons of fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, you know, in, in not, not solely, not primarily, but all this shit that you see in here, mm-hmm. psychedelics played a huge role in me even getting into music. How so? Um... Well, like I, I took, you know, I. Uh, it's pretty. You sure you want to get into this? It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty. <laughs> That's what we're here for. I have a. My grandfather was a, a badass dude, musician, carpenter, mm-hmm. farmer. You know, real badass. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad was not a musician, but my uncle was. And like as a kid, I was like, "What's up with that? You know, Dad, why don't you play music?" And he just kind of, you know, without thinking, as adults do when they're busy and you're a kid, he was like, well, you know, I just didn't have, I I just, you know, I didn't have it in me. He did. And I just kind of went through life with this idea about music, like, well, you either can or you can't. Mm. And so when I was in fourth, fifth, yeah, fifth grade, I I said I wanted to learn guitar. So I took some guitar lessons. And I hated it, and I was terrible at it. I was terrible at it, and and it was it was it was like you're supposed to be terrible at it, right? But it was it like it wasn't fun, like well, like it it uh, well. Here's part of the thing: like I was a kid, I was not a, you know I'm not a big man, I was not a big child, and uh, my parents just got me a full sized adult acoustic guitar mm. and those are even big to me now like when i play a guitar i play an electric i play like a fucking you know 
just like a little yeah and it's like that big ass and i was you know like playing this thing it hurt my back it hurt my shoulders it hurt my fingers mm-hmm. i'm not saying i would have done better but my friend had like a youth guitar with nylon strings and he was just like we were taking lessons from the same guy and like you know six weeks in he's like shredding and i'm just like i can't play pop goes the weasel fuck me damn and so I just kind of had this idea, like, I can't, I'm no musician, mm-hmm. you know, just not. And so then later in high school, um, a friend of mine was playing the drums, and my best friend was playing guitar, and we were all into punk music, and they were like, dude, get a bass. And I was like, I can't. And, the, and you know, they're like, dude, you can play bass in a punk band. Like, anybody can play bass in a punk band. You know, that's the whole thing, like... You know, like, uh, what what was his name? Uh, Sex Pistols? I'm drawing a blank. I'm, I'm no help in this, in okay, this realm. I'm um, not good at that game. Well, it, I've heard you know, that song, but I couldn't John, tell you. It, well, it was Sid Vicious, I okay. think, is the bass player. And, and uh, he was terrible, and he couldn't play bass. But they were like, you look like a bass player. And, and, and you in a punk band. And then, like, you know, um, The Flaming Lips is another band. Like, in their origin story, the guy yeah. that plays bass. He couldn't play bass. But he was just this big dude, kind of like you, like this big dude with like like a beard. And they were like, yeah. dude, you look like a bass player. Just figure it out. Yeah, I think that's because we look good in sousaphones. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a bass in high school and like, you know, I learned some uh, punks, you know, ding, 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 you know, really basic shit. But what happens when you start playing music is like you get into better music mm-hmm. and you realize that you suck at music. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I got like got a girlfriend and a driver's license and all that shit just becomes unimportant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and dude it was years later i was 25 years old and i had been in my my pastime had been me and my my best friend at the time were going to live music like we would i mean that was like what we were working we would work and we would save our money and we'd be like we're going to see nine inch nails in chicago in april like we're you know we're going yeah. to see like we're going to bonnaroo we went to like 2000 bonnaroo in 2007 it was a great what? yeah good times and um and so you know uh, we're going to all the seeing all these great music and you know a lot of times on psychedelics and i just kind of i kept always wanting to like i was like man i always wanted to do that like i just always wanted to do it and Something about being like in a different state of mind. What is this nonsense? <laughs> oh man! Did that interrupt your? Uh... I'm sure it did. But that's okay. It's cool, just uh, the audio keeps recording. I need to, we can uh, always reset my Facebook water. anyway. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you forget to put your phone on Do Not Disturb. Uh... This is not professional, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's totally professional. What's professional <laughs> these days? Nobody cares. Fair it's, enough. It's all do-it-yourself, man. Fair enough. We are definitely doing it ourselves. Indie and solo artists, man. The podcast is the root of it, and the audio goes up uninterrupted, so there's, right. there's no way to interrupt that. The well, Facebook good. Live is just um, it's one more avenue to be like now. You know, when you think about the difference between just being able to count down the days to go see a concert, how much the landscape's changed, uh, you know, to tie in technical failures to, to your story to try and not detract too much. Right. <laughs> but um, it's, and it's fun. Uh, one of the reasons I love including the Facebook is because of the 
comments. Yeah. Um, I like I like interacting with people. It's part of the no, it's it's one fun. of the reasons I love sitting down doing this. It's yeah. For no, same, it is fun. For the same. Well, I just I like the idea of like, hey man, for the next what hour hour and a half, mm-hmm. we're just gonna have a conversation. Like we're not, yeah. you know, like it's mm-hmm. not. That's rare these days. You don't. It is. It is. It is. And that's one of the things that, you know, uh, I have been blessed to have great conversations with with people all my life. It's, you know, I, I enjoy talking to people. And I just never could gather that up and turn it into a book. And so it all kind of came together when we d- were doing the radio thing saying, uh, well, if we just start recording all this, then there's a book in there somewhere for me. And so yeah. I can sit down and share all these conversations right. and have something to take away from it while introducing a bunch of people to all the cool people that I'm lucky enough to get to meet. Right. So I, I try and and just spread well, the word. I think, I think a podcast is the best way to do that because, you know, people barely read these days. No one's going to want to read anything I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... Uh, then there's the truth. And there's the truth. So, uh, yeah, welcome back to part two, Facebook. Uh, I, I'm not tech savvy. I'm just a talker that figured out how to press some buttons. And so when things go horribly wrong, y'all should appropriately make fun of me for not knowing what the hell I'm doing. Um, that's that's why I gave up the pants. So no, I'm not, yeah. no seat of the pants to fly by. F it, man. No parachute. Just free fall. I see. I guess that's a horrible joke. You shouldn't even nod your that's head. That's all right. You, you know, you're not on stage now. It's fine. <laughs> Quit trying. <laughs> Quit trying so hard. So anyway, all that back up and running. You were, if if Facebook wants to worry about continuity, <laughs> you were talking about how you guys would uh, would work to go to concerts and uh, and being in that space of altered states of consciousness in concert venues yeah and, uh, I don't know there was this uh, there was kind of this feeling of like hey man you know there was always this idea like I would love I want to do that but I can't and then somehow having a different uh, perspective in that situation there's more of this kind of voice of like well who the fuck says you can't like why can't you how bad do you want to do it do you really want to do it you know, and so yeah. I, dude, I, I lived alone, and uh, I got a keyboard, like a cheap, you know, keyboard, and I was like, I'm just gonna, like, learn, I'm just gonna fuck around, like, I didn't have, like, any, see, when you're in high school, you're like, I wanna be a fucking cool guy in a band that gets mm-hmm. shit, you know, but, like, I was, you know, I was, I was in my 20s, I was, like, 25, and so I was like, I don't mm. care, I just wanna, I just wanna play music for the enjoyment of it, and so... I lived alone. I didn't have cable. I, at that time, I didn't even have internet in my house, which people would really s- scoff at now. But this was <laughs> 10 years ago. so um, uh, I'd still scoff at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had a... And so I, I got a free piano uh, on Craigslist. Yeah, they're on Craigslist all the time. Because people don't want to move them? They don't want to move them. You come pick it up. So I got a free piano, and uh, I would just, like... I, I, w- I would eat mushrooms alone a lot. And um, I would just eat mushrooms and sit in front of that piano and just kind of, 
you know, get to know it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, to speak. Exper- experiment, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, that's like, I'm not a trained uh, pianist, but I learned, you know, I learned keyboard proficiency that way. And mm-hmm. so, like, if people people would be like hey how'd you learn to play the piano and i'm like i just ate mushrooms and sat in front of a piano for a year and a half like that's great (laughs) try it i don't know it might work for me (laughs) experimenting is good yeah and so synthesizers are like if you're into psychedelics i mean you know if there is a way to contact beings in another dimension and communicate with them, I think synthesizers is where we should start because otherworldly, otherworldly sounds, you can't. I don't know what. I don't know what gives you more insane, crazy, just a palette of infinite weirdness to experiment with. And now, I, and I wonder why that is. When you say that, my first inclination is to answer the question because I'm kind of a dick. <laughs> so am I. It's great. It's fine. But, Continue. Um, but <laughs> but my, like my first thought is, okay, so why is the synthesizer appropriate? And, uh, and, and I jump to try and answer that. Do you have a, an answer for, for why you think that's such an appropriate instrument? I do, but it's really long. Okay. Uh, well, we, we don't have time constraints. Like okay, we can change sweet. out batteries in the yeah, camera. Yeah, this isn't Joey. This isn't Joey Livingston. He, you're not going to cut me off three minutes in. Joey's on a time <laughs> frame. He's on a schedule. That's a different thing. Oh, uh, we love thing. you, Joey. You know, I got to give you shit because you call me an asshole all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, what he's I, talking about is, is Joey Livingston. Now, this, again, at Studios. Check this is complete. Uh, this is based on no science or anything whatsoever. This is just from my own experience. Yeah, yeah. That's what but, this whole thing's about. But what do you um, I th- this is again kind of a vision I had, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. um, while using a synthesizer on psychedelics. Um, we've talked about Aleister Crowley. Uh huh. We may want to do a little fill in for right. people that may uh, not be aware. Crowley was, um, (laughs) yeah, he was weird. (laughs) He was, uh, some would say weird. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, kind of tongue in cheekly known as the wickedest man alive Mm -hmm. or the great beast, which are nicknames he gave himself kind of as a joke. Mm -hmm. But, um, he was a weird fucking guy, but he was really smart and he was really funny. Like he was you know that for that for that time period like you, you know when if you i, I was uh, i have an english degree uh-huh. i read a lot of literature from like you know from like the 14th century up until the 20th century and so all in the 1800s 1900s and that's around when he was writing late 1800s early 1900s there's almost no one that funny really at, i mean you know like i mean yes there is but like he had a humor that I don't even think people understood was humor until, you know, years later. So anyway, that's a tangent. Um, Those are good. He wrote this uh, kind of seminal piece. It's a very short book. It's called The Book of the Law. And apparently it was dictated to him (laughs) by uh, some spirit. I forget the name of it. Um, And he, he... he isolated himself in a cave in Cairo and, you know, did who knows what else. Mm-hmm. And 
this whatever thing came to him. And again, the way he writes, this could all be a joke. The whole setup of this, you know, the, the but um, nonetheless, he has this vision and the um, and he sets out what he called the uh, the procession of the aeons, I think is what he called it. It's been, again, over mm -hmm. 10 years since I read this. But um, basically humanity, since we've started, you know, being human and like communicating and having community and tribes and stuff, we, uh, I, th I guess because he was in Egypt, he associated the ages or the aeons with uh let's see you've got isis the mother mm -hmm. and that's when we're a matriarchal societies we're egalitarian we worship nature mm -hmm. we're a pantheistic you know mm -hmm. sort of and and then we move into what he called the age of osiris which is agriculture industry you know mathematics architecture you know mm -hmm. science and then the next age he called uh, the age of Horus mm -hmm. and you know Horus was like a divine androgyne it was like you know androgynous yeah. being that was the the child of Isis and Osiris mm -hmm. apparently I didn't read a lot of Egyptian mythology I'm going on what Crowley said yeah I was gonna say I, but, I can fill this in if you have questions but uh Go ahead. Yeah, if I'm wrong, please correct yes, me. Yes, no, so far, so far, you, you're, you're quoting so, him accurately. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, the age of Horus, the child, is is where we we take all of the important <clears throat> things that we learned in the age of the mother, mm -hmm. which, you know, language, art, music, uh, you know, a spirit, you know, psychedelics, mm -hmm. plant medicine, all this stuff. We we shed the nonsense. The superstition, mm -hmm. the fear, you know, the the, the ignorance, mm -hmm. and we do the same with the you know we, we take all that we which I believe is like technology in a form that's coming which is green technology you know yeah. which is which is which is good for the plant it's not you know the way it is now oh yeah yeah so yeah. like it, basically we're gonna the idea is that you merge the best of those and you mm -hmm. come out in this age where we kind of have this, which it feels like we're slowly moving into yep. eventually where... That's what I feel. Yeah, where like, we don't have war, you know, we don't have, you know, all these things that are creations of, you know, and we don't, we, you know, you wouldn't have religion, like in the sense that people are afraid and kill each other. I mean, people could still yeah. be, have practices and, and whatever for community purposes and spiritual mm -hmm. purposes, but not in this like way that it, brings people to fighting and all this shit. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I think the synthesizer symbolically is is like the instrument of Horus. Because interesting. The early musical instruments were, you know, drums and and acoustic stringed instruments, right? Right? Mm -hmm. And then and then and we get to like the industry age. And mm -hmm. we, we get computers and machines and all this stuff. And the synthesizer is like a marriage, a merging, like a, like a you know, of machine math and science mm -hmm. with musical instrumentation and, you know, expression and flexibility and all that. And so it kind of is this, I don't know, to me, yeah. Like, you, you see why I said it was a long answer. It's That's quite all right. That's quite all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to ask you another one before we get back to wrapping up this one. But, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's basically it. So, like, I think that that might be why, in, in whatever way, that 
it means anything at all that the synth is you know at least for me it's kind of this especially because the term synth is so broad it's not like guitar you know a guitar implies yeah. so many things a guitar implies six or 12 strings yeah. primarily you until know until you start putting it through right right but as far as like even with uh, guitar effects, yeah. you know, even with guitar effects, there's a there's a fairly limited amount. You, you know, there's a pretty, you know, I could name them all right. pretty fast. Like they and, and they just keep making different pedals of the same effects. So Thurman, how how does a, a Thurman size up to a synthesizer? Like the capabilities, the range. A theremin. Yes. Okay. Sorry, my no, no, it's okay. Pronunciation. Um, um, no, I thought you said a Thurman, like like. And I was like, "Is that some instrument? I don't know." <laughs> no, a theremin. no I, uh, a theremin is a theremin. a theremin is a synthesizer. It's a it's a very simple. It's just a, the interface. It's, it's one oscillator. Okay. Sine wave. That's the waveform. Gotcha. And it's just a single oscillator, and there's no filter. Mm -hmm. There's no envelopes. Um, you control the pitch and the volume. That's it. So like, gotcha. that's where where you move your hand around the antennas that that one of them controls pitch, I think that's the antenna's pitch, and then the like with the thing over here is is volume. So you can get the little hand little yeah, round yeah, thing. Yeah. The half moon thing over here. So yeah. like I can, you know, all three of those sense keyboard sense back there, I can pull up a a simple sine wave with no filter and put put glide on the pitch so it you know and and it sounds like a theremin. I mean it's same thing. Same thing. Different interface. It's the interface. Yeah, yeah just a yeah. different interface. Hey, darling, are you ready to be on camera? Are you ready for your close-up? Say yes. You smell like all these things that aren't here. Uh -huh. I know. I wear a lot of oils. Come here. So, uh, thank you guys for joining us. For anybody that's out there, I haven't uh, been paying too close attention on the comments. So, if anybody has a uh, a comment. Chime in on the Facebook. Let us know if you can hear us. There are people there, so I presume they can hear us, which is good. <laughs> um, what I like about the synthesizer as a bridge to to psychedelics and, and becoming the musical choice, a voice for altered states of consciousness, uh, speaks very specifically to what psilocybin does, uh, which is increase the senses in the periphery. You know, and but increases the senses in processing power. So the same thing, or uh, there's something similar happening, in my experience, to uh, being in a life or death situation where the brain starts working overtime, processing information really fast, and so it seems like you are hyper aware when in fact what's really happening is things are just firing in a way that you're processing information faster. So there's this physiological combination with and access to things that are already there. What What are your thoughts on, on all of that? Is that way out there? I, I just I'm not I'm not quite sure how to apply that to a synth. Okay. The so the reason that I think that applies to a synthesizer is, um, because, going from. Going from the the sounds that a synthesizer makes, and being able to manipulate the speed at which those things are are ingested 
makes it easy to translate some of the things that are flying at you that you only realize in retrospect. Yeah, I can see that. From altered states of consciousness. Yeah. Because they're two different forms right. of vibration. Yeah, yeah. And I could also see, like, I mean, in that regard, how so much of the visual experience with particularly psilocybin and DMT mm -hmm. is very uh, fractal and geometric. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird geometry in, in synthesis. There's a lot of, you know, square waves and triangle waves, you know, like all the, like... Well, one of the things that I'm reminded of, and LEDs remind, LED lights remind me of this all the time, uh, and that is the Stagmus test. You know, the, the same way that they, they test your eyes to see if you've, you've got any kind of, of chemical that could inhibit that. Uh, well, the same is true that the muscles that control your eye do weird things, just like the muscles in your face do when you have certain thoughts, when you release certain chemicals. And I'm a firm believer, through my own experience, that being aware of what uh, an altered state of consciousness is like as an experience makes it easy to replicate that in, in a thought experiment. Like, it's easier to get back there consciously uh, without having, you know, without yeah. ingesting something. And so being able to do that uh, makes it easier to... Uh, I think makes it easier to, when I see things like an LED, you know, a light-emitting diode flicker in my periphery, that that vibration is more noticeable to me because I've been in states of consciousness where it was highly noticeable. Right. And so the flickering of that evokes the vibration thought that makes me think of the sine wave that you talk about with the thermon and the synthesizer. I That's how you. I made that connection. I see. What, if any, of... Well... I don't know. I'm... Uh, all the questions that, that sound like fun to ask are kind of irrelevant. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, man. You know, that's uh, synthesis, like the oscillator, which is kind of like the primary sound source mm -hmm. of synthesis. Um, those were like, those were uh, invented for physics labs to study sound waves. Mm -hmm. And um, Robert Moog, Bob Moog, and uh, you may have seen that name on a stage somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> he um, he was working, at, you know, and some dude, boy, don't quote me on this. This is a real rough memory of the story, but he was working around them in some capacity. He was an engineer, mm -hmm. and um, and he he just had this idea that they could be used for musical purposes, and so he built you know, this kind of prototype musical synthesizer where mm -hmm. no one had ever applied, um, you know, musical pitch scale mm -hmm. to the sounds. They were just going by frequency to study the waves and so forth. So, so you know, and that led to Moog synthesizers, which mm -hmm. are the most famous, you know, they're, they're like Gibson guitars or Fender guitars. I mean, they're just like, that's, you know, synth people. Most people know that one if they don't know any others. But there was also a guy out in California named Don Buchla. Not the one I thought you were going to mention, but yeah, and, uh, Buchla. Buchla was close enough in time to Moog, mm -hmm. to Bob, that it's, you know, it, they kind of agreed they did it at the same time. When was that? 
Oh, fuck, man. 60s. Ish. Early, mid-60s. Kurzweil came along after that. Oh, he was, what, much after 80s. Yeah, much after that. Yeah. In the synth world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, No, in the beginning, it was only those two, and they didn't, um, like, it was, like, modular, like, that shit with all the patch cables. Yes. Uh, That's, like, a small, that's a new format that's smaller. The old format's a much larger format, but... um, I got a buddy you need to meet, like, there are a couple of people that... I would just love to watch y'all all discuss this <laughs> stuff because they would know much better. Yeah, uh, but uh, what all of that? Buchler, does. You would you would like Buchler can was. Can you see that on here? Yeah, that back there in the corner. Uh, Buchler was see he was in San Francisco in the '60s. So which and one so, of them made that kind of setup? Like which one's which? I see. I mean, the ones down there are Moog. If Buchler's name were on any part of that, which part would it be? The the case. That mm-hmm. has the white keyboard on top of it. Uh-huh. The case with all the weird knobs and the fucking touch plate and all that shit. Mm-hmm. That's more in a little more in the style of like the Buchla modular. Gotcha. It's not. You can still get Buchla shit. It is expensive. What do you mean by expensive? I mean like uh, a system that size would cost you about twenty grand. Oh shit. Okay, and the box that you're talking about for the people listening is what, like one and a half by two and a half feet? Surface area? Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good estimate, I'd say. I think it's 25 inches wide. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, have you counted how many knobs it has? I have not, because it, all those are like separate modules, and so like you change, you can change them out. And so like so it, it is that changes. like a pedal board for a synthesizer, like a, a guitar player's? Pedal board, how do those two things relate? Similar, well, it can be like you can, like, I have uh, like probably four or five modules on there that are standard effects, like delay and reverb, uh-huh. you know, like p- effects pedal kind of stuff. Ooh, but okay. it's also the synthesizer itself. Like, I've got, I've got f- three or four oscillators, uh, you know, multiple filters, envelopes. Uh, low frequency oscillators, which are for modulation. Mm-hmm. Um, that one even has a, uh, it has a melodic sequencer, you know, that does uh, step and pitch, so you can you know, sequence melodies and bass lines Sweet. and shit. And um, is there anything it won't do? Not much, dude. It's got a drum sequencer, and uh, and so you can, you know, you can sequence drum beats. And uh, and then it's got like this cool, one of them is a, it's a contact mic that you can like. You can touch it and scratch it, mm-hmm. and you can patch that into just like anything, and and get weird, just hmm. otherworldly sounds. And yeah, it's it's unreal, like the crazy shit you can get out of that. And that what's cool about that is, I bought all of those modules. I bought them one at a time. It took me like almost a year and a half to put all that together, mm-hmm. and you know. You just every every week or two, you're like, oh, that module's only fifty bucks. I can swing that, and then you know, a couple weeks later, you pick up maybe one that's. But uh, no, it's it's a really nerdy, kind of niche hobby that, you know, I think there I think there's very, it's growing now. And you know it's growing because the companies, are, growing that make the modules and more and more of the companies are springing up and you know it's like it's gonna it's gonna be one of those things and you know probably 10 years you're gonna see it on every stage like like you know 
in some format, maybe just a little case with you know a few modules mm -hmm. in it. But yeah, and then like really? the that one up top is a Moog, and the big one with all the crazy knobs on it is also a Moog. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I have. Uh, I mean, obviously, as a live sound engineer, I have some experience, but. Nobody brings that to live shows to play in yeah. the size venues that no. I have worked in. When I was in a band, I didn't I didn't show up with all that, but no. obviously. But I still had a pretty ridiculous rig, and uh, yeah, the guy, the sound, the sound engineer would always just kind of walk up and look at me setting up and be like, uh, "Really? What do you need?" <laughs> and then he always loved me because I was like, a "I just need stereo XLRs." <laughs> no, I had my own mix. All I didn't, I just. Didn't even need the conversion. Yeah. I was like, just, just plug me to stare. I, I even got my own cables. Where's the box? Yeah. What channels do you want me in? That was, uh, we played enough that I, I, I wanted the easiest setup possible, even though I had a lot of shit. That is playing a good bit. And so, like, I put, you know, I put a lot of time into, like, case arrangement and, like, setting up, mm -hmm. you know, multiple things in a case. Mm-hmm. Almost like a pedal board, but like it's a synth and a mixer and effects and shit, and you just move it, plug it in. But uh, I get that. I'm the guy that showed up with a camera and, and a room mic and some phones and yeah. call it a podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess you can, you can do that, right? You can do that nowadays. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You, you can. It's uh, absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So it doesn't surprise me at all. To when you say that that we'll see synthesizers on stage in a near handheld well, yeah. format. Well, yeah, I mean we already do. You see them on stage more. when you know about them. Like I see them on st everything oh, I watch. I'm like my my wife gets annoyed because I'll be like, oh, they got a you know they got a mini Moog, and she's like, <sighs> nobody cares but you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. I uh, I am very bad. Or I'll criticize. You know, I'll be like, man, you got all that money, and that's what you're playing. <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah, but they're on TV and I'm not. So fucking, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to vent. You're allowed to vent at them. Uh, it's it's okay. No, I watched. Uh, we saw um, LCD sound system was on SNL like a year. I don't know. It was a while ago, mm -hmm. but we caught it and and I was just nerding out because they had like so many you know, classic synths on stage. I mean, yeah. like, just, like, probably 15, 20 synthesizers on stage. But when you're on SNL, well, you, it's, you bring it's, up it's LCD dog. sound system. Like, they're, you know, they, I'm not even a big fan of their music, but they've, you know, they're kind of well-respected electronic music, and uh, I'm not in that they've world. been around a long time. Yeah. And I was just, like, I was just freaking out. I was like, oh, it's a synthy AKS. Holy shit. <laughs> I have like, no idea what that yeah. is. <laughs> it is the... Uh, Pink Floyd on the run. You know the Dark Side of the Moon. Mm, yeah, yeah. The yeah, track yeah. that's the synth. That... Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that that famous synth track is done with two of those synthy AKS. Uh, it's a. Uh... So to get that one track, it took both of them simultaneously to come up with like two separate. Yeah, they had two. They had two of them. Well, they were at Abbey. That's how they were like at Abbey Road. They're layered components. Well, for right. that track, it's almost all synth. Like that. Yeah. That one track is just that. You know, it's just those those two patterns, and they're just modulating them, and it sounds trippy as shit. And they've got the sample of the guy running that they pan around. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's the most famous 
that, in fact, that track plays a huge role in why if you find one of those on eBay, they're like fifteen thousand dollars. Because I want to play that song. I want that <laughs> that sound. Well, it's such a unique, weird. It it looks like something out of a James Bond movie. Like it, it's the, it's in this briefcase, and you like <laughs> open it up. And it's got um, it's got this like this little matrix pegboard that looks like something nice. out of like Battleship almost. Like it's Heck got all yeah. these, and that's you can route the different uh, signal path using that patch matrix. And then it's got all these cool knobs on it that are like, you know, that like. Does it come with nuclear codes? I don't know. For fifteen thousand dollars, it better. Yeah, I know. At the very <laughs> least, it better come with a fake label that says "the football," courtesy of the FBI. It's but the main reason it's so expensive, aside from that song, and it, I think it's some other famous track that it's on. But uh, they're rare. There's, I think, there's like a hundred working ones left in the world, or some crazy shit. Gracious. Yeah, that's nothing. That's it's like that. Uh, you know, there's a tape. There's a tape machine. You know, to record analog on the tape like in a studio mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember what which one it is but there's only two in the world left what there's like one in London and one in it's either New York or LA and that's it and ridiculous uh, yeah. ridiculous it costs like it costs you thousands of dollars just to go do a session on it <laughs> I'm sure it does I'm sure it does that's um those are some rare toys. I think that's what's wrong with toys these days is they're not rare anymore. They're not fun. Yeah. Because they're not rare. It's funny, man. In the synth community, there's this uh, there's this weird thing. And I'm, I'm kind of in the middle generationally because it's like these younger guys, and they almost hate on older guys who can afford really nice shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, have this idea of, like, you know, I can make badass music with, like, $300 worth of these plastic toys that you get at Guitar Center. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, sure, have fun. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, but I'm a 35-year-old man. I I have a fucking career-type job. You know, I you know, I want the fucking, I want the Moog. Sorry, you know, like, I want it. Like, I... (laughs) Yeah, I work hard to buy nice toys. Yeah, and, uh... And, you know, to me, the difference is uh, from, like, a, a sustainability standpoint, you know, those are professionally made machines, and they're made out of wood and metal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're made to last, like, and they don't depreciate in value. Really? Once they're used, and that's that's this wise, you buy them all used. Yeah. You, you, you know, you figure out how to buy shit, music, shit like that used. I bought every one of those since barely used. I could sell every one of them for the price I paid for them or a little more. Wow. Just because as long as you're not paying the initial markup. Yeah, the mar- that's what paid. kills you. Yeah. Once you get it for that used price, if you take care of it, it pretty if it's a good, you know, something that people, you know it's going to be like a classic, you know it's going to be around, mm-hmm. people are going to want it. Like, I mean, it's a smart investment. You know, oh, it's yeah. also the sort of thing if you, you know, I don't have any kids, but I have a niece and like if she ended up being into music and I'm old and I'm like, hey, here's this 50 year old Moog that's in mint condition. If you want to sell it and buy a car, that's that's your choice. But, you know, yeah, it'll be that kind of thing where it'll be worth, you know, something if if it ever needs to or or technology to will get so insane that all that shit will seem silly 
Yeah, passe. Yeah, which which is also possible. It's coming in a heart in a heartbeat. It is, but you I know what, man? I've used a lot quick. of the. I, I mean, I I still use computers and iPads and shit because you can get synth apps and yeah. plugins and stuff, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same. Yeah. The tactile aspect of it, you know, like like if you're if you're clicking a mouse, you're sliding your finger around on a touch screen. It's not the same it's as playing a keyboard knob, and yeah. turning a big a big fucking silver knob, you know, and. Yeah. I know what that's like, just from running a, a, a mix. Yeah, like a mix know? board. Yeah, yeah, like a soundboard. Just like digital mixers versus you know an analog. Same thing. Same thing. Or even worse, if that's all touchscreen. Oh yeah, my big fat fingers don't yeah. like that at all. Don't like. I mean, you saw me. How long did it take for me to type the intro to this? Quite a while. A very very long. I time. still didn't check it for typos. My fat thumbs. Neither <laughs> did I. I didn't bother. Who cares? <laughs> That's uh, I will never be known for things that I wrote down. My handwriting is atrocious. Yeah, I've seen it. it I've seen it on the uh, on the open mic sign up. And that's just one word. Yeah. Sometimes two. That's your name. And it's you, horrific. You've had lots of practice writing that. Not as much as some people think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is my middle name. I didn't yeah. start going by that until about what seven years ago. I well, you know, Douglas is my middle name, but I can write it just fine. Well, I can't write anything else. Why would I be able to write that? <laughs> Not start picking and choosing. No, it's now. it's cool. Man. I I think the only reason I have neat handwriting is because I had a pretty, like, strict dad. Yeah. Yeah, and he was, you know, like you didn't, you know, you didn't, you sat up straight, you know. Not like this. Yeah, not like we're doing now. You tucked your shirt in, you know, all that shit. Which you know that that backfires. Like if you, if you yeah. have kids, and you're trying to be real, you know, strict with them, they might end up no. <laughs> Hank spending most of their time underground, doing psychedelics and playing with synthesizers. Like you got to be careful. Yeah. Well, and and making good arguments for things. I uh, I convinced somebody the other day on on the beard, just by tossing out the how how do you know who you are? To be real grandiose about it. If you've never just let your beard grow out for a year, yeah, you know, like it's it's an important part of your identity. Like, you know, ask a woman, how do you know who you are if you never let your leg hair grow out? Like, there's a part of self that we willingly cover up for culture, and yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's tragic. It's, it's weird. Tragic. Well, dude, I mean, like, I, I, you know, I didn't always look like this. I was uh, kind of clean cut. Likewise, yeah. GQ cover and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got to tell you, the uh, the way that s- strangers, particularly women, treated me changed immensely. And not in a good way. <laughs> You're wondering <laughs> what I meant by that. You know, you go from, like, getting positive attention <coughs> to people looking at you like you might be homeless mm-hmm. or something. And you're just like, hey, look, I, I'm just trying to get a sandwich. Like, I don't... <laughs> You still you still talk to those people? I I don't even bother anymore. <laughs> no, not really. That's just how I feel. Like I'm just oh, trying okay. to get a sandwich. Okay. Why? Good. Don't. I just I didn't want you to have to put yourself. Oh no, the ringer for no, these I don't people. care. I I just I an usually, observation. I usually laugh, like, and oftentimes if you know if I've gotten stoned before said experience, yeah, I might like la- like not be able to help it and just be alone, 
at in some public time. spot, and I just start laughing at someone else's reaction to oh, me yeah. because it's funny. I'm like, man, you have a. That was it. Uh, you ever you ever eat at Everman's? You know the the co-op grocery store. Nope. Will you ever go there? Never been. Never Heard been about it. Everman's. Never been. No, I'm I'm way out on the on the. the it's pretty westerly though. It's like really? downtown on the sort of west side of downtown. I'm sure I don't have any real excuses. For no, it's great. There. You should go. No. So anyway, they <laughs> they have like a they also have like a, a food kind of. Uh, you know, buffet style, like where they have oh, they have hot food and yeah. like a like a really good salad bar because you know it's a, like a it's okay salad bar I can do that it's like a you know they got all the hippie food whole and, food yeah kinda. yeah but it's a lo- it's the local co op so you get to support your local business and get great produce and stuff so uh, which everyone should do support local businesses yeah go to Everman's it's fucking great it's a great business <laughs> but uh, so anyway I had been uh, I'd been like uh, editing music. All morning, and uh, and we we had just we had done it was the, the night before we had had a we had an open mic in Mobile, and so I had done an open mic here on mm-hmm. Tuesday and an open mic in Mobile on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then Thursday morning you know I get my my wife off to her internship, and I'm in my pajamas drinking coffee smoking a joint working on music, and then at some point I go to, to do grocery shop and eat a little lunch and so I'm there, and. <laughs> There was this this dude and like this nurse dude, I guess, and like nurse scrubs. <laughs> he might have been a doctor, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm at the salad bar and I'm I'm there. I come I go after the lunch rush, you know, just to be like to be nice because I don't want to like yeah, I'm yeah. just like I don't want those people. Those they're working. Poor, poor and so bastards. I guess he he was taking a late lunch, and so I you know I'm taking my time. I'm I'm picking I'm picking my greens. You know I don't want any wilty greens. Right. You know right. and. And, and my little tomatoes. I don't want any with, you know, little brown spots and, you know, wilty no. ends on them. And so this guy is just behind me. He's getting so flustered. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, you can go around me. It's totally cool. Like, I'll even get behind you and just wait. Yeah. Like, I don't, I do not care. Yeah. And he, and I, I think I smelled like weed a little bit. And we were kind of close. And he just looked at me with so much hate. He doesn't know what I do at That's all. That's horrible. And he's just like. Well, some of us work all day and only have an hour for lunch. Oh. And I was like, man, that must suck. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh. like, dude, I'll just hang back and you take your time. I don't care. Because you, and it, that blows me away. That speaks to so many things, though. But people get, I think people get really jealous of things they don't understand. When it, yeah, and it's like, it's like, man, you know, you don't. Like, I have a job. It's just I have this weird seasonal job where I'm gone. You won't see me all summer. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I'm out of town, on the road, working mm-hmm. long hours, seven days a week. And then, you know, for like nine months, I don't work that job. I just do music and comedy. And, you know, my wife's in graduate school, so I take care of the animals. And I'm like the housewife. I do all the shopping and I cook and, you know, do all that shit. So, you know, I'm busy, and you then, and then and, you know, but, but it's a it's an enjoyable life. I'm not complaining, but then this yeah. this guy is like, you know, hey, and I'm like, dude, you're a doctor or some shit. Like, <laughs> you know, you probably got a BMW out there, and you know, you got some nice house somewhere. Like, like I my house is a hundred years old. It's falling apart. My car is like eight years old. It's still not paid for. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like, you know, fuck. I just, you know, we got different priorities. Uh, different choices, <laughs> yeah. Just different priorities. Different priorities. In general, I feel bad for people that have to wear uniforms, though. Yeah. It's, um, it's soul-stealing. And so I can understand why someone in a uniform would, would be very jealous of you smelling like something fun. In the middle yeah. of the afternoon, yeah, <laughs> staring down the barrel of the rest of their. What well, is like you know? It's like I was you know. You wake up late. You got that look. You yeah, know, like your face you're is like, kind of puffy. I haven't been up long enough to really care. Like, dude, I I didn't leave the back porch till like one thirty last night, and then yeah. you know I had to wind down and eat some food. Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, and if you are gonna judge me, at least yeah. do it well and be honest. Yeah. <laughs> When's that? So anyway, that uh, it was fun though. I thought it was you know. I even thought about turning it into a bid, and then I just I just fucking figured, fuck it. I'll just, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll tell Compton a, in a story on his podcast one day. Well, thank you for saving it for us. <laughs> we, we are, and by we, I mean the royal we, are just so honored <laughs> to, uh, to world debut. And hey, you know, it, grumpy non-pothead. It's, it's a real, <laughs> it's a real shot in the dark. But if that guy is happens to be listening to us, <laughs> here's a bird. Yeah, man. relax, buddy. If you want to come get high with us and play with synthesizers, you know, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're totally welcome. welcome. You know. Yeah, man, and uh, teach you all about how it's a waste of time to flip birds because they're really dinosaurs. <laughs> what? Who, who can flip a dinosaur? Like, good fucking luck. Those things are huge. Yeah. You shouldn't flip animals. Hope springs and turtles, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hope springs and turtles. Yeah. You're not a vegetarian, are you? Oh, no. I, uh, I know that plants can commit murder, so uh, I don't have any remorse. <laughs> and I uh, don't give them any more priority than, you know, non-sentient critters yeah well you know my biggest thing We're not highly and i get i get uh i i am i am personally i am against factory farming oh yeah that's a horrible thing but i eat meat i just don't eat a lot of meat but and i Mm -hmm. pay for the fancier shit that either comes from somewhere local you know we got a local butcher here that's a and good they, way. They to get go. a lot of local meat, man. Yeah. And like, I got friends who hunt. Oh yeah, me too. You know, and me it's too. like um, I'm a steak fan. Like I love. Oh uh, man, gra- I'm big grass-fed beef. Cut me the... a bone-in ribeye. Yeah. No problems. I would prefer to be the one to kill the cow and and to. Yeah. Know, if I'm gonna enjoy it, I want to own it and yeah. be responsible for it because I think there's something about um, reverence. That, well, yeah. uh, that that is is a big time lost. And as much as I can get behind, you can subsist on just vegetable matter. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's our natural condition. Uh, I think it's good to have a variety of dietary routines. Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, but let's not be exclusionary. You know, an exclusionist on yeah. anything. Yeah. The, 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 the argument I get, I get in, uh, I get a little. I have trouble with is the whole like you know conscious beings like intelligent beings when when which which i'll give you you know a pig is pretty smart mm-hmm. and i don't eat much pork i don't you know mm-hmm. it's really not that good for you as a, as a meat compared to beef and you know chicken and fish but uh you know fish are not smart uh chickens particularly dumb as fuck 
like one of the dumbest animals ever like ever mm-hmm. like that i mean have you ever seen a chicken uh, decapitate a chicken and watch it run around it acts exactly the same <laughs> because it is almost exclusively operating on impulse it is not a conscious being and, and my my whole thing is like you know the cannabis plant mm-hmm. has taught a lot of people a lot of shit mm-hmm. it taught me a lot about compassion and empathy mm-hmm. and and self-awareness and introspection and and uh, forgiveness and you know I'm always like what the fuck did have you learned from a chicken you know like <laughs> like what wh- wh- all the chickens in the world have taught you what fucking nothing one 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 tiny little toke of a plant honey barbecue KFC chicken wings were a thing in my life for a minute but you're you're absolutely right. Uh, as far as things that we ingest for the sake of ourselves, uh, you could. Now I want to eat a happy chicken. I want to eat a free yeah. range chicken that's eating bugs and grub worms and shit. Right. But one they you can better. do without. Yeah, but it's a scalar argument. A scalar argument in that um, you you can live without oxygen for a few seconds, and you can live longer with a little bit more oxygen and you can find some quality of life with less oxygen than you would want but then again that's eating a chicken whereas you could eat a mushroom and experience something that you didn't even know was possible because right because a lot of reasons why do you think it is that uh, that 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 there are food groups there are that there are chemicals out there that grow naturally and that some occur naturally in us that that can that can blow our minds you know just why why do i you're saying why do i think that yeah why is it that why is it that psilocybin has the effect that it has on uh on our little monkey brains you mean beyond the like the scientific mechanism of like serotonin production but we should probably go through that real quick like i'm not like i'm not like very you know if real savvy yeah if you can it's that kind of we'll leave it i'm not a science-minded person so i've read it a dozen times but i can't rattle it off especially like to be to be recorded in the annals of history (laughs) i don't want to miss i don't want to miss explain how psilocybin works and be like oh it's a dipshit from the internet who fucking (laughs) didn't know what he's talking about yeah he screwed it up (laughs) Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't want to tell anybody wrong either. So I wouldn't. I'm not going to delve too far into the chemical aspect. I will leave it at. Uh, uh, I'm not the smartest person in the world, and I am sharing the information that I have gathered from other people and experienced. First off, is the disclaimer. Uh, second off, my experience is, and what most people who are the authorities on uh, on psilocybin report is that psilocybin has a function that increases your ability to sense primarily in your periphery by uh, accelerating or increasing what you perceive as awareness by the same mechanisms of pumping up the processing systems. Yeah, I mean, that's, well... That's the all, bare bones. All psychedelics work on... on uh, 
either serotonin or dopamine. Right, and that's that gets into the chemicals that start altering and, the yeah yeah the perceptions. And um, I mean, you know, there's a uh, like schizophrenia mm-hmm. is very similar to being on LSD, apparently, and so much so that. Like when they, you know, when scientists started working with LSD, they were like, oh, this is going to, we're going to be able to study schizophrenia a lot better. Now, why did they give a reason for that? Yeah, there's something to do with um, how it, uh, it has something to do with dopamine. So my guess and, would and, be And that... like this, a similar thing happens in the brain of a schizophrenic person's dopamine receptors okay. as happens to a person on LSD. Well, the dopamine mechanism when, when you ingest LSD is a massive dopamine dump, which is tons of fun, and then you are left with this dopamine shortage uh, because, deficit because you have dumped all of your dopamine, and so you end up going through this really funny giddy state followed by this extremely manic state. See, I, it's funny, that, that sounds a lot more like my experience with MDMA than LSD. Um, yeah, I found it to be the same for... Yeah, cause, well, but, just, uh, yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot of people with the, the whole, like, you know, manic state or, or, or uh, feeling kind of shitty after LSD, but uh, I found that that, for me, had entirely, like, everything to do with the trip itself and the experience than... More so than the LSD, the drug. Maybe manic's not the right word. Maybe uh, uh, exhausted would be a, would be a better word. Um, again, because manic has a lot to do with perception. Like, yeah, I, the maybe the best way to, to describe it is just that you have have worn out a chemical store and you have done a lot of one thing, and so you become desensitized to that particular brain chemistry. Would that be a, a more okay way to describe it or what do you have how would you describe it uh well i what don't your experience yeah like how, for, how did it work for you lsd that's how that's how i felt that's um, how everybody feels i'm sure uh for me it like it, there were times when i didn't feel so great the you know when it, the next day mm-hmm. um but that usually was you know you're out doing shit you know you're, you're not you're not the keeping, rest of the community. <laughs> yeah, you're not keeping yourself hydrated. You're not. Yeah. But every time I like did it consciously and like sat at home, mm-hmm. took LSD, and just chilled, mm-hmm. like, like the come down's fine. The, the I, the next I actually sleep well. I wake up the next day. I feel great. It's uh sweet. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I know like LSD. If, Getting clean LSD is hard. Yeah, I, uh, and and I don't like, have as much experience there, so I'm sure there are. Yeah, and, and I and, never, I never did it in that set and circumstance <coughs> either, which is a very, very important. You know, a lot of people, I, I've met people that think that mushrooms give you a hangover, and and I'm like, <sighs> and usually if you talk to them long enough, you find out that they drank yeah. while they were on mushrooms, which you shouldn't do, folks. Um, yeah, no, 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 don't, uh, it don't ruins, it ruins your psychedelic experience. It ruins. Yeah. Uh, altered states of consciousness, vision, visionary plants to use Graham Hancock's terminology and others, um, are not recreational. Um, they are just not recreational. They're, they're valuable in, uh, 
in a few things. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I agree that, um, that normal to high doses are not recreational. I think that threshold doses of um, mushrooms and LSD are, are really recreational. Um, and, uh, Explain what you mean by, by that, that difference in, in dosage. Because um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't usually consider microdosing, so that's not something. Right, and I, and I don't even mean like a microdose, because like in a microdose is like you don't feel it at all. You know, like like mm-hmm. the whole the whole definition. Like I've done it with LSD and I've done it with mushrooms, and it's like, you don't you don't feel it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you know it's that minute. I'm talking about like a threshold dose is where you, you you just barely feel the the the, the effects. Mm-hmm. So like with mushrooms, in fact, a lot of people who've eaten mushrooms, that's all they've ever done. They got to that stage where everything's kind of silly and giggly right and things are kind of warm and fuzzy and you know the colors are a little crazy that's do you need to plug in no not yet that's a threshold kind of kind of experience where like Mm -hmm. it's not warping the fabric of space time you know it's it's not shutting down your ability to communicate you know it's not it's it's very and it can be very if if you're in a group of people and you're all on this very very mild threshold dose, it can be very social, and bonding and you can have a really great time together and and be really open with each other. Yeah, um, I agree with you. So I'm gonna have to revise my position and say that there are circumstances that that yeah because <coughs> well I think it it's like anything man like you you know if you go out drinking right let's trade and you have a couple uneducated yeah, you have a couple of beers or a few <laughs> shots you know um what you know and you get there's a there's a there's a comfortable period where you're loose you're having a good time you know you're, you're talking with people you're interacting you know you, your inhibitions are low enough that you're not you're not feeling stressed or anxious but they're not so low that you're making poor choices yet right your speech is still intact you know you're yeah. you, that, that that's that's <laughs> like in reality you should not be out in public past that point yeah you know when you're slurring and stumbling around yeah, you shouldn't be in public yeah. well i think that's i think that's all drugs you know if you want to do a couple bumps of coke and go out and have a good time hey that's your thing but like if you're gonna blow a whole eight ball in the bathroom and come out and jaw my fucking ear off at the bar like go home dude don't do that like don't do that <laughs> Right. And, <laughs> That's alone time kind of thing. Yeah, and and I feel the same way about psychedelics. Like I I, I learned yeah. that the hard way going to concerts and taking psychedelics. I learned like, hey man, there's a right way to do this where you have a good time and nothing scary happens. And then there's a way to do it where you think the world has ended and you're dead. Yeah. And so you wanna not go that way. That way. Yeah. And Set and setting, uh, circumstance, context, yeah. some of the terms that, that get thrown around a lot. And and you're right. Now, and I will tag all this by pointing out that I not only do not trip and go out in public anymore, um, I don't even trip with other people. Yeah. I take it so seriously. Um, and, and that's... But we're when we talk about taking it seriously, we're talking about something that most of the, like you were saying, most of the people that have only experienced a threshold trip or, or state of being, state of consciousness, have never taken that 
holy shit, what did I do? Was this a mistake dose? Right. Uh, which I, that's I, think, the I'm, realm, I think I'm dead. What yeah. the fuck did I do? Yeah. That's the realm that I'm usually in, and that's why I say that is not recreational. And so No, definitely not. Do, specific, yeah. I, don't do that. Don't, yeah. <laughs> you will hurt people. When it comes, to, yourself, when it comes to psilocybin mushrooms, uh, I'd say anything over a gram and a half, you probably want to be home. Yeah. Um, and if you and, and definitely anything over yourself. anything over two and a half grams, you want to be fucking home, yeah, or somewhere very comfortable and safe, where you feel safe. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, and education. Education is the other thing. Like that's one of the reasons that I love having conversations about this, and that I'm excited to record it and share it with people, is because you and I uh, know full well how serious this is, and so it's nice to hear us uh, and and make sure that what I'm saying is very measured in that I am not going to send someone out to do something ridiculous that, uh, that would be dangerous for them. Right. And just to have a conversation with somebody that knows well enough that it's not a toy and it's not the kind of thing that, that should be abused. Yeah, you don't fuck around. It's, like, when you watch, it's so funny to me, man. When you, when you watch some movie that's, you know either like some like old kind of horror movie or some kind of fantasy movie where like where like someone's like fucking around with like witchcraft or something you know <laughs> and like some like wise person tells them like hey you be careful don't fuck around like you know like that's yeah. that's psychedelics like i've i've seen people lose their fucking mind yeah and never fully recover like they're fine now kind of but they're fine in the way that, like, they totally went back to being a fucking culture drone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they like they went just completely... Yeah, like, they, like, you know, oh, I was a fucking, uh, you know, a really serious psychedelic artist. And, you know, now I'm, I'm wearing a fucking tie and, and I'm drinking for fun instead of creating and smoking weed. And, you know, and I'm, I'm going... I'm going out and trying to get laid instead of, you know, trying to make meaningful relationships with people. You know, it's like this, this, like, I just, you know, nope, I'm fuck, fuck all that crazy shit. That scared the fuck out of me. I want to, I want to go sit in a cubicle. Like, I want to fucking, you know, I want to drive my safe car. I want to, you know, I want a bank account. I want all that shit. Because that was fucking horrifying. And I get it, because mm -hmm. I've been there. I've been to the to scary place where, like, you're like, I, I would do anything to be like sitting at a fucking desk in a math class right now, bored out of my mind. You know what I mean? Like, just anything mundane. Could I be mowing the lawn right now? That'd be great. Like this. <laughs> well, and and there's something about uh, that veil being pulled back a little bit further, and and seeing a little bit different perspective and that's one of the things that fascinates me about uh fungi in particular as as a, a psychedelic um because the the connectedness that i've always experienced on particularly uh psilocybin because of the fungi and what i'm learning more about now with microbiomes and, and the fungi culture and stuff as i'm studying more stuff by like I mentioned Paul Stamet that yeah, I shared yeah, yeah. some stuff with. So when we talked about this, I could tell people, go look on the Facebook page. It's already there. We made this easy right, right, because right. we want you to be educated too. And it seems more and more that the explanations for all of this are just common sense and that it's just been lost 
to that there at some point in history from what it's from my perspective people sat around and figured all this shit out and knew good and well what was going on and we are just coming back around to realizing how simple and and easy it is to be at peace and to experience these things in a positive way versus all this negativity that's getting tossed around. Like, we're just now coming around to this thing that should have been so yeah. easy all along, and it well, blows yeah, my mind. Well, yeah, and I, I, you know, what's what's really sad to me is, uh, you know, um, the, uh, you know, a lot of, like, my, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say heroes, but, like, you know, great minds that I looked up to and, and read a lot of their work, um, I can still say they fucked it up for a lot of us, like Tim Leary, right? You know, I mean, I love fucking Timothy Leary, but he fucked up the psychedelic movement in a way, mm-hmm. and, and and a lot. The, the, the '60s blew it, but the '60s here, the you could almost in a in a sort of symbolic way, it's like a 16 year old got the the fucking the the bottle of acid you know yeah a 16 year old got the lsd and was like i'm gonna change the world and you're like hey 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 exactly what we were talking about relax man why don't we like get some scientists in here let's be adults about this no fuck it man like let's you know and it's like it, it was such a it was such a a kind of juvenile reaction and and it's still I'm not trying to it had a lot of great we got a lot of great things from it I'm not trying to take away well and there was from, a lot of from the era yeah but like I feel like we're we're reapproaching it as like an adult now you know with like maps and yeah, and, yeah. and you know and Paul Stamets and and, and like and and, and uh, Dennis McKenna instead of Terrence right because yeah Dennis, Dennis is, a way is a, more rational well point. he's a scientist <laughs> exactly right and and Terrence the reason he's so entertaining is he's a, he's a you know he's an entertain he's he a, he's a storyteller oh he's, he's a, a good one he's a he's a you know God he's he's a literal like I just love to hear him talk and and he's so he's yeah. you know he's so visual with his language and mm-hmm. and. It makes sense, like that was more appropriate, you know. And he was, he was really doing most of his stuff in like the mid seventies into the eighties. McKenna, he was yeah, like after. They, yeah, yeah, they went down to the Amazon. Or, uh, what, no, not the Amazon. Where did they go? Yeah, they went down there. Was and it they all were, the way to the Amazon. They went. Yeah, was well, Mexico. No, they went down there in search of. I'm pretty sure they were looking for ayahuasca. Yeah, they were going big, and they and and they ahead. found. Right. <laughs> they ended up in this little village, and they had the uh, the Brahmin cattle, mm-hmm. and and just mushrooms the size of dinner plates, mm-hmm. fucking everywhere. And so they start doing all those experiments and mm-hmm. being fucking out of their mind for days and weeks, weeks. <laughs> um, and dude, like I look, there's, uh, you know, uh, Ram Dass, Richard Alpert. Yeah. Um, he uh, he talks about this. You know, there was this some like like house that some farmhouse that yeah. him and Leary and a bunch of those Ken Kesey and all those guys they would go. Mm-hmm. And he talks about this one you know week where like they were just like doing acid and mushrooms for like a week straight, and he's like. The shit that happened, I I still am not even comfortable saying it out loud. <laughs> he is like, no one would believe any of it. No one would believe any of it. It's insane. And, like, I've had sure. experiences on psychedelics where 
the next day I'm just sitting there like, am I going to tell anybody about that? <laughs> Holy shit. That was, fu-. you know, like that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. God, they're going to think I'm crazy like that, you know. And yet some of those people made it into the Bible with those same stories. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly Definitely enough. Yeah. Well, and what's so funny about all that shit, man, um, when you, when you go back and read, I grew up religious, you know, my parent, I was raised Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is what happens. No, oh, yeah, be warned. The video died. We're just oh, okay. on the audio. But, uh, we can turn the camera back on in a little while, but I figure we oh, would uh, enjoy the not on camera for a minute. The audio is still rolling, though. But, uh, yeah, so. Southern Baptist. Yeah, do tell. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I don't even know why, why did I bring that up. We got distracted. Uh, Southern Baptist religion, the psilocybin being the segue to. Uh, um, I can't remember. I gotta change the battery, and I lost my train of thought too. It's good, man. It's fun. Um, um just uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people I know who grew up religious um, that ended up, you know, kind of outgrowing it mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know the psychedelic experience. That's where we were going. I knew all the Bible stories. I grew up religious, going to church, all that bullshit. Huh. And um, after years of experimenting with psychedelics, I like start. I started going back after I, you know, after I'd perused, you know, some of the other holy books and whatnot. I was like, you know, I'm kind of curious now. I'm gonna go back and read some of this shit in the Bible. Yeah, dude, it, totally trippy shit going on. Like, oh, yeah. t- just completely. Well, first of all. The holiest plant, the whole or the holiest tree, or the whole and wood is the acacia, which is like the highest DMT con- uh, containing plant in the region that all that shit was going on. Mm-hmm. And the Ark of the Covenant was built out of it, right? Yes. And like all this other crazy shit that you're just like, uh, yeah, man, totally. And then the whole thing with uh, Jesus being a mushroom, you know about all that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The John um, Marco Allegro. The to say his name sacred. again. It's John Marco Allegro, right? And to, for everybody else, oh, sorry. he wrote the sacred mushroom and the cross. And he was one of the guys who translated the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. And he was the out. only actual scholar. The rest of the team were theologians. And he was the only. Oh, that's right. He was a li- he was he was the world's leading linguistic scholar. Well, so. there were only six of them that could translate what is it Sanskrit that it's it, written in Aramaic. In Aramaic, and, and, okay. Uh, yeah, and in, in early Hebrew or something. Yeah, it's like three different. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. But he was an expert, and he's he kind of figured out, and he wrote a book about it, um, that the Christian myth. Uh, Jesus Christ was actually just a, 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 a you know, a mythological character mm-hmm. that was a personification of the mushroom, mm-hmm. specifically the Amanita muscaria mushroom or the fly agaric, which is the red, the red Super cap Mario. with the white. Yeah, Super Mario, Alice in Wonderland. It's very, very iconic mushroom. Mm-hmm. It's also a Christmas, very associated with oh, Christmas. Yeah. Because I forgot of, about that. Siberian shamans, you know about that, right? And Santa and with all Krampus and, and all of that. Well, more more explicitly, the uh, 
the the entire like almost the whole set of symbolic traditions associated with Christmas are about the Siberian shaman and the the fly agaric mushroom. Do you not know about this? It sounds familiar, but run it by me again, because I am <clears throat> confusing it with what I've been studying on the Yule celebrations and the Vikings. Okay. So help clarify it for me, because there's something to do with the, the shamans. So the Siberian shaman, the, yeah. They, those uh, guys are badass, like living yeah. in the tundra so, yeah, on so, nothing. <laughs> so the, the, uh, the evergreen tree, <clears throat> the Christmas tree, the taiga forest. Um, these amanita mushrooms would grow in circles. They still do. They'll grow and they'll grow in circles right under the tree. Mm-hmm. Little presents, little gifts, mm-hmm. and um, they would pick these mushrooms and then sometimes string them up or put them on little hooks, and they would hang them from the trees to dry or just until they got there picked or whatever. And then they would use sacks, like animal skin sacks, to carry the mushrooms around in. And the it was such a it was like you know it was part of their pre- spiritual practice, so they dressed in the colors of the mushroom. They wore red with white dots on it and okay. white trim, and piece I was missing. And so people lived in was it, is it yurts the round things where there's a hole at the top and a door, and in the winter the snow would be so high, you would come in from your chimney, and you would <laughs> climb down. So the shaman would go around on the winter solstice the darkest three days of the year and he would come down your chimney and he would leave he would hang mushrooms either on your tree or in stockings by your fireplace and people would do like solstice ceremonies Mm -hmm. with these as a family and as Mm -hmm. as communities and stuff and um, they would travel around on a sleigh pulled by reindeer the reindeer and they still do, they eat the mushrooms and then they pee and they eat the snow and they get all fucked up. Again. Again, <laughs> even more so. And so rain, the expression reindeer piss, that's where that comes from. Um, even the, the like to get pissed, you know, which is very like British and, you know, over there, they, yeah. they, they refer to it getting drunk, getting pissed, but it actually comes, apparently, comes out of that. from that. And, um, and so, you know, the reindeer would eat the mushrooms and they would they would dance around or fly the fly agaric mm-hmm. mushroom. And so, like, there's all this symbolism. And then what's really interesting is once you know that, you can just go on Google and you can just type in, like, you know, early European Christmas cards or art, Christmas art or whatever, like <laughs> paintings and shit. Everything has red and white mushrooms in it. Everything. Yeah, because they got it. Because and even my, then, people were aware of seasonal depression and winter sucks, and we want to try and survive. Well, you know where fly, so, you know where fly agaric grow. Every, that's part of the in the Vatican story, right? All over the Vatican. <laughs> because of when its you when, when you when you look at the when you look at right. the the uh, the garb that mm-hmm. like the the cardinals and shit wear oh, oh like the red oh, yeah, and the yeah, white yeah, yeah, with yeah. the hat and the goofy hats yeah, and everything and the, all of that comes straight out of the symbology but here's here's a very interesting uh i don't you don't even call it a theory it's an idea postulation from you know reading a bunch of different people smarter than me and then taking psychedelics and coming to this kind of idea that um 
the oh, sorry I'm not sharing at all um <laughs> where were we <laughs> talking about the Swiss Guard and the mushroom iconography of the, oh, the holy city. Yeah. yeah. So there's this idea and it goes like along with Crowley's thing that um that uh, the patriarchy you know associated with that that age of Osiris which mm -hmm. is like the male dominated age of industry and everything that is all tied to monotheism which is even more specifically tied to men figuring out that their semen was necessary to make a child. Fascinating. And so we lived in this era where, where you know, we worshiped the goddess because the goddess gave life and it was a mystery. Because you think about it, like, you know, you know how short myths. an ovulation cycle is? And so yeah. we were having these orgies all the time. And then, you know, just every once in a while, someone would have a baby. So we weren't connecting these pieces for thousands, maybe millions of years, who knows how long we yeah. were going around in tribes and, and, and being pantheistic and, and worshiping nature yeah. and having no idea that you have to have that, you know, if you don't have the sperm, you don't have. So that's all apparently correlated with, with like the, the, the kind of realization of agriculture and you put the seed in the ground and you fertilize the seed, and you wait, and you get the mm. fruit, and you get the alcohol, and see, alcohol is associated with agriculture. And so, yeah, of the so we process. shifted from this right. psychedelic, very, very goddess-like culture mm -hmm. to this alcoholic, mm -hmm. monotheistic, controlled, male-dominated culture, yeah. right? And the, and the Vatican supposedly the Catholic Church, they suppressed all that knowledge that the mushroom is how they connect with God and what that what's really going on with their religion and everything, and they use it for power by not sharing it with everyone. Yeah. And so it's really fascinating then when, like, you know, you think about how, how many people out there are talking about bringing down the patriarchy and they're, you know they're going to Starbucks and they're drinking, you know, they're drinking martinis and they're, and, and you're like, what? really? Cause that's, right. that's it, man. Like that's the fucking, you know, and I, and I, you know, I, uh, it's, I don't want to get off on some, I will, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating to me that that's, that's kind of this weird thing, like historically that, you know, I hadn't heard of it with the uh, with the semen correlation, but the seed into the ground analogy fits perfectly well. And I'm I am well, it doesn't it make sense that it does. We, that we would kind of we would kind of put those together at the same around the same time, right? And then go, you know, oh, like, penis ego, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and look at look for at sure. like how phallic everything became. everything became yeah you know yeah. and and, and I was, so i was even going to say like you can't be follow the patriarchy carrying around your little penises in your little penis shooter like <laughs> right <laughs> because of everything shaped because of all the that's an old carlin bit sorry can't help it it's it's funny i say it every time it comes up man. yeah when somebody says patriarchy i think missiles yeah yeah right i mean yeah missiles and bombs just look like dicks yeah 
skyscrapers, <laughs> robot dicks, you know, coming up out of the earth. Like, it's just... Uh, we're still trying to fuck this guy. Whose bit is that? I don't, I don't... I can't say that I came up with that. I know I heard that Yeah, that somewhere. is a bit. I don't know who it is, uh, whose it is, though. But, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing to, to ponder, if nothing well, else. And when you talk about the ages, and we'll tie this back to... to the, I mentioned the age of Aquarius in a post, and it, it got discussed a little bit, and that takes us back to the ages of uh, Crowley. Crowley? Crowley. Crowley, thank you. Um, talking about the moving into the age of Horus, I think mm-hmm. it was. Um, and this is what's been fascinating me recently when you get into the history of the Anunnaki and, uh, and all that good stuff, because the... Procession. Are you familiar with, with procession? The procession of the equinoxes. Yeah. Yeah. So we if you go back far enough, you have these these what in those time scales on a twenty six thousand year time scale when you get into the the dark ages or more specifically the iron ages, the bronze ages, the silver ages, and the gold ages. Yeah. Which the gold age seems to line up more with matriarchy where these Iron Ages and Bronze Ages seem to line up with patriarchy, which is why this dawning of the Age of Aquarius is really fascinating to me, as well as visionary plants and, and all of this medicine, or these plants coming back in in these therapeutic medicinal forms right now. Yeah. I, I think, and, and I know it seems like we ramble on in, in these, well, in these what, conversations, but it ties together very efficiently. Well, you know, part of the, uh, apparently when, uh, when we were tribal, and hunter-gatherer, um, you know, our culture was, it was a lot more egalitarian, mm-hmm. and we did equal work, you know, like, like, and, and it was agriculture, and, and more, and more specifically, industry, that, that paved the way for this idea of, like, well, to get the job done, you got to be big and strong, you know, yeah. like, it was all part of that whole, that whole culture, that whole, whatever, mm-hmm. paradigm, and, and so, like, technology, is like it levels the playing field again, you know? Because it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, dude, I'm not a big guy, but like, I'm not, you know, I don't walk around scared. Like, I mean, I don't have a weapon or anything, but it's just like, yeah. <laughs> technology has not only made us more civilized and more, you know, connected in certain ways. I think that has to do with information, uh, and in that, because when the walls become able to testify, there will be so much information that all this monkey lying to each other rhetoric persuasive without moral bullshit will go away yeah. because the information coming out against you will be overwhelming and and I think that's one of the reasons that well have you ever tried have you ever been around someone who's trying to lie to you when you're on psychedelics oh yeah it's wildly they can yeah, you're just like dude just like, shut up just, because I yeah I just laugh I'm like well no sorry yeah. no no I can't even because you can't even take somebody seriously that's how and that's one of the things that I preached for a really long time when I started studying communication was all of these skills that they want to teach people about how to be persuasive go back to some really old arguments that we're all born with these skills and and that you sure you can practice them but we can go watch babies manipulate their parents with no formal training on the and and our pets oh, like anything dude, the, we can yeah, communicate they, with. they can manipulate i mean you know they know because of eye contact yeah. because they're they've evolved to be aware of of our game fucking tony has a bit about does he yeah i don't is think i've that heard tony that one the yet. bit about his dog 
like fucking manipulating him. I haven't like been around looks. long enough to. Uh, okay. I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, can... Tony, if that's not you, apologies. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We will find out who you are. We'll track you down. But uh... but I think that has a lot to do with empathy, and that's one of the things that makes the stark contrast between an alcohol-based culture and a, and a, a psychedelic or a visionary you know, a psilocybin-based culture, is that one is an ego prop and one is an ego, you know, fucking sweep the leg. Yeah. Well, you know what's very interesting is uh, another another uh, symbolic kind of vision thing that occurred to me on, on mushrooms. Um, when it comes to drugs, um, drugs of the, you know, the, the patriarchy, if you will, mm-hmm. um, drug, are drugs of the ego, and and yep. and they are, they're ego drugs. They are they are forcing, like something onto nature, like in, yeah. in a sense. Like you know, I mean, look at opiates, man. You take something, you've got you know, or even cocaine. You know, you got a coca plant, and like yeah. you know, there's all these native cultures where they chew the leaves, and they're mm-hmm. fine. You know, they don't. They don't end up it's gacked out of a coffee. Yeah, they don't end up gacked out of their mind. You know, at a strip right. club at four a.m. on a fucking Wednesday, like but when you distill it into moonshine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you use diesel fuel and all this other shit, kerosene to get. Like, but like, you know, alcohol. Alcohol is a is a bastardization of nature. You know, yeah, you're, yeah, you're taking similar dead thing. shit, shit that's dying, and you're you mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. you're getting drunk off its death, basically. Yeah. You know, but, the decomposition but, of its... But we see it in nature. And so I think it's that distillation process where it really gets screwed up because there are, there are species of birds, there are species of, of other monkeys that, uh, that ingest fermented berries and, and other things to, uh, to, to get drunk. But when we get to the point where we start distilling it down and refining it and, and taking it in what should be considered, you know, the heroic dose that you do rarely uh, in very controlled circumstances. We've taken that in alcohol and made it recreational, whereas it may be beneficial. Like most experiments can be beneficial if performed uh, uh, with good intentions, you know, mindfully, I guess, it's to not overuse a shitty word these days. Right. Um, but... If done with the right intentions and for the purpose of experimentation to learn something, then I think those extreme doses are valuable. But we've gotten to the point now where people are consuming alcohol at the rate that you and I've already discussed. We would never wander out in public well, here, on here's, a psilocybin dose. Here's the difference. Do tell. Um, I Alcohol put me in the fucking hospital with pancreatitis when I was 21 years old. There you go. There you go. Alcohol has killed friends of mine. Like, you can drink too much one night and you can fucking die sitting on the couch mm. just from the alcohol. Yeah. You can eat your body weight in fucking mushrooms and you back. will not die. Exactly. You might lose your fucking mind and never find it again. Probably not, <laughs> but you might. You didn't really need it. <laughs> But, you know, it's, and so, like, that, to me, that, that's such a crazy, like, I mean, and even drugs that people, you know, LSD is one of the, it still has more stigma than anything else, because the, the, the propaganda campaign against LSD was so successful that to this day, I meet grown, intelligent human beings who I respect, who have the, they, they've got it all wrong. 
they they don't they actually had they don't know what LSD is. Never seen any of the studies. Yeah, or... well, and and you know the thing about it is like, you know, you know LSD is a fungus. Did you know well, that? It's a derivative, right? Or is it like... LSD ergot, which is a which is a fungus that grows on certain types of wheat. Yeah, but then it has to be processed, right? It's an extraction, like DMT. I mean, it's, it's an extraction process. I've never made LSD, so I'm... I'm I haven't either. I'm having to think this, this through. Is, this is like... New a, information. Go ahead, go ahead. But, um, so, you know, even on that level, like, it's a, it's a fun, you know, and, and, and you've heard yeah. about this new lichen that they found that has, uh, it has, it has psilocybin and dimethyltryptamine. And it's, you know, it's this lichen that grows in some fucking jungle somewhere. Is so this a mushroom? Just, uh, no, like it's a, like a uh, like some kind what of is fungal. A, uh, what gro- is a it's lichen? some kind. Of, it's a fungi. We're gonna we're gonna yeah, but it's not like it's different than a mushroom. You know, I it's think like a mat, like a fungal. Oh, I don't know. You're fucking it up. Should we look it up so we don't? Oh uh, yeah, it's, might as well. I got it, man. Yeah. I got it. Mine's Your well. phone's so tied up. Let me look it up for you. No, my phone's not doing crap anymore. Like I said, we're just on the audio now. Lichen. Um. Lachin, lachin, lachin. I didn't mean that. Fix my mistakes. I think a composite organism that arises from algae or there you go. Cyanobo- cy- <laughs> cyanobacteria living among filaments of multiple fungi in a symbiotic relationship. The combined lichen has properties different from those of its component organisms. Yeah, it's like that shit you see growing on wood and stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like a fungus, and look, real when you get really close, it looks like little mushrooms. Yeah, like most fungus does. Yeah, so cool. like a mat, it it kind of covers things. Yeah, like you yeah. would see on, like covering the bark of something. It doesn't have a stem and a cap. It's just kind of a right. But like you saw on my on the microscopic level, it <laughs> is like little stems and caps. Yeah, which is fascinating. Like I'm uh, very curious in, about mycelium and uh, and these uh, these fungi cultures these days. Uh, which, look, we were on Facebook for 50 minutes. I'm sorry to totally distract, but there we are. And it went for 50 minutes. 50? Or yeah. 15? 50. Okay. 50 whole minutes. I, uh. Oh, thank you to whoever shared it. You're not even listening to what I'm talking to a podcast. Nobody will hear this until the playback. Ah! Sorry. Fucking dorking out. Mm. Paul Jernigan said hey that's someone you know I think we both know Paul Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. boy Sam hi okay hey everybody awesome 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 the reason I don't mind uh, distracting from what we were talking about is because I want to take a different angle at it alright because we can sit here and wax poetically about um, about what we think about fungi, but something that not a lot of people know is uh, why there's so many people that have uh, that I've had conversations with that don't really understand because they haven't had any experiences and they've never heard experiences from people who have performed experiments and not just gone out to party, but right, done this right. in a way that is meaningful and has. With the intent of learning something right. about ourselves, and so this—that's something that I have valued and have taken away from from psychedelics, 
And, uh, and it's something that I know you have a couple of stories that I think would be very beneficial, one, because I'm greedy and I want to hear them, and, uh, and two, for all the people that don't know that LSD was, was part of some major academic breakthroughs in some controlled research circumstances, and that mushrooms have been a means of healthy living for cultures around the world for a very, very long time, and it's not just a matter of once upon a time that fungi were good, but... I've experimented with stuff because I see all around the world the use of these plants to be healthy and be healthy in ways that I struggle with. And so that as the groundwork for someone that has all of the horrible ideas of I'm going to eat mushrooms and think I can fly, please tell again, because I've, I've heard you tell it a little bit, but but tell again how you got into... Uh, or some of your first or most influential experiences, if you would. In relation, journey. or, or yeah. like a response to people who are going to eat mushrooms and think they can fly. Um, I guess uh, to reframe the question, can you t tell us about your experience uh, from... Not in, not to persuade somebody that that they're not going to be that they're going to be horrified, but ha okay. So look at it. another way to frame the question. Sorry, I'm talking around myself here. Have you ever had one of those horrible moments that people are afraid of? Oh fuck yeah. 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 So let's start there. <laughs> um, dodged the Hobbit, thinking it was rare. Um, I mean. No, you said you usually stay home. Yeah, like I. No, I mean. When I, like I said, when I was younger, I was stupid, and you know, I was, I was like, I kind of was just kind of getting into psychedelics mm -hmm. via Hunter Thompson, who had a very unscientific, unritualized approach to it. Well, right. rich, that's not necessarily correct, but His a very, of a, ritual. <laughs> a very chaotic, you know, yeah. shotgun kind of buckshot style approach to drugs, and uh, going out into the world, and and I think in. In some ways, if you can handle that, there are some benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, uh, I was very, uh, ra uh, you know, wrapped up in in cultural bullshit at at, at that age, and um, you know, you know, what are you wearing? How do you look? What are what are what are what do people of the opposite sex think of you? You know what, you know, how, mm -hmm. all this shit like, and um, and I remember after I got pancreatitis, you know, I. Uh, I I started just I would eat I would just eat mushrooms and go out with my friends who were drinking and I would just not drink and I remember being at like a fucking dance club you know like a nightclub <laughs> and it all became so clear to me I felt like I was watching Planet Earth and David Attenborough was narrating <laughs> the mating ritual of the fucking, you know, the ape. The hairless monkey. Yeah, the hairless ape is, and here's what the, you know, and they cut, you know, and they, and they go through all, and they got their fucking feathers basically, and you know, they're, and, and they're, they're, they're dance, they're, they're all, dance. and it just became so fucking hilarious to me how just juvenile and simplistic of a like what a fucking waste of time like what am i doing like why the fuck am i here like right so i can fuck and then that became the funny part was like we're doing this 
this like very complex but same kind of ritual that animals do to to mate mm -hmm. but we don't want to have kids <laughs> like we just want to fuck the you know each other out at the nightclub right, right. and in the worst case scenario other than a disease is getting is an unwanted pregnancy from you know those those experiences and so it's even more like just insanely comical that I'm like we're out here and we're doing these mating rituals but we don't want to have kids with each other you know, like we, we really don't want to have kids with anyone you fuck from a nightclub. Right. But you're doing this thing. And it was just so funny. And it it never affected me the same again. It never had a it never had a draw on me. I went to a strip club on acid once because a friend a friend was babysitting me and another guy on acid. And he just uh, he just took us to babes. And I, I didn't even, I was so fucked up, I didn't really realize where we were and what's, what place we were going in. You know, like, we had been at some, like, electronic show, and so I was just fucking, like, you know, like, fucking kind of, like, old-school rave kind of shit. Yeah. And we're in a fucking strip club. And, you know, I grew up religious, like I said, so, like, when I was, like, man, from, like, the age of 16 till, I guess, what, 21, when I went in a strip club on acid... It would. There was something like appealing and kind of like, oh man, you're not supposed to be doing this. Like this is <laughs> naughty. Like this is, you know, this is, this is what they. Uh, this is fun, you know. And going in there on acid just once, and I was like, this is the most hilarious con game in the world. Like this is fucking brilliant. Who thought of this? Like who is the genius who thought of this money making scheme? Like. Get these guys in here, liquored up, late at night, and put tits in their face, and go, hey man, you can touch those tits. You just empty your wallet. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's fucked up, and like I don't condone it or any, like I mean, you know, I'm not trying to shut down strip clubs either. You do whatever the fuck you want. It's the oldest profession in the world. Uh, like well, prostitution, definitely. Yeah, yeah. that was definitely. A, well, and that's the right other. That's what the other thing is so funny that I found so funny about the strip club is that I was like, okay. The strip club is a derivative of the brothel, mm -hmm. which was, you know, a bar scene. You go in, there's girls at work there, and, you know, if you pick one you like, you pay some, you go up to a room. We took away the fun part where you get to fuck. <laughs> and instead, we just drain dudes' wallets so that some girl will, like, shake their ass. It's it's hilarious. It's, well, it's almost like the nightclub thing all over again where, like, you don't want the baby. Like, you're doing... You know, you're yep. doing this ritual, but you're not doing the actual thing that it's literally all about. And and so, like, it, it's amazing how many things I, uh, psychedelics deprogrammed me, like, or, re, or reprogrammed yeah. me, yeah. In, in a sense. And, like, fucking, you know, just culture in general, dude. I can't watch, if, if I have to sit through commercials, I will not watch it. I don't care what it is. I don't care how good it, I just yeah. won't. I can't. I My fucking brain worries me like that now because I am finding it harder and harder to uh, to be focused. Um, if if I'm sitting around doing research or, or writing on something, to stay on task uh, gets tricky. If I've got to wait on something, if um, if I can't keep all of that, if I don't have all that to juggle, just because it's amusing to me to, right, to right. process information really quickly and talk to myself really quickly, then uh, then I get bored and and 
try and find something else to distract me. And it's becoming more and more of a detriment to, uh, to trying to get things done. It's a pain in the ass. And I, as much as I love having a computer on my hip, that's, you want to talk about the bad version of dopamine and, and oxytocin. Dude, you know they got... Cell phones and screens, you know got, man. You know they got programs for, for writing where, like... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a program on your... Like, you know, like a, you know, yeah, yeah. an app on your computer. Mm-hmm. And um, it it goes into the old school black screen, green letters, and you can't do anything else. The internet doesn't work. You can't open... Nice. You can't open programs. You can't look at the time. You can't look at the date. Nothing. It's literally just, just words. It's just words, and like you know, and then like to get out of it is like a is like a multiple step process. So you can't just be like fuck this. Back I want to, right? Yeah, and um, and then like yeah, dude, when I'm doing music, man, I, I just put my phone on that desk and turn the Wi-Fi off. Yeah. And uh, I, that's one of the things I love about it. It's just like fuck all that nonsense, dude. Like. The social media. I fucking hate Facebook, and I'm, you know, I, I begrudgingly use it because, you know, Marketing. I'm, yeah, it's like I'm trying to do comedy, I'm trying to do music, you know, it's like the, the one of the easiest ways to like yep. get shit out there, and well, and and I've been thinking a lot about how social media has become the court of public opinion, uh, and is headed that way. You know, somebody jokingly commented. I saw a comment somewhere about how. Um, Facebook was going to be the new religion. And in some ways, the court of public opinion is finding a way to try and manifest itself, which is really weird. I mean, I don't know if that's what's really going to happen, but we have seen a lot of, uh, in the wake of public opinion, real things have happened. So there seems to be this just what is now an observable march towards Kurzweil's singularity. Like this yeah. whole, you know, information is so ubiquitous that you have to try really hard to be dumb. That's how I put it. And I mean, I, it's fascinating. But, it's fascinating. you know, the thing is, like... Because we're in the middle of some weird shit right now. You, you don't have to try that hard to be dumb, though. I mean, it, it is... It <laughs> well, is that's true. <laughs> you, you do have access to it, but, like... It takes effort. What do most people do with their phones and their laptops? Fucking Facebook and yeah. Twitter and Instagram and check emails and look at porn and you know, like, I, I don't know. Like it, it gets to this point where like I'm like, man, if I'm not like utilizing this in some type of like you know, mm-hmm. like a tool, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very useful tool. Yeah. But when a tool becomes, like. A you distraction. Know, yeah, it becomes this this obsession that, like you said, man, that that mm-hmm. getting likes and shit that fucks with your dopamine. That, yeah, that's a that is an addiction, yeah. no doubt, an addiction, and that goes way back. They knew when they invented televisions, the the way that the tubes emitted light and flickered. That they knew then that it had effects on psychology and and had potential to manipulate people they called it a boob tube for that exact reason because of the hypnotic yeah flashing there's oh dude you... oh and they oh, know you... they know when you look at known. when you look at kids because yes. kids kids don't hide no like they, their their body language and when you look at kids and they're watching and they're in front of a screen and you're like dude 
like that thing's got you in a trance you know that thing's got you hypnotized Hooks. yeah turn a tv off when kids are watching some fucking cartoon watch them go insane you know and it's like bitch when i was a kid you had you had two hours maybe a cartoon saturday morning right and you had two fucking channels to choose from oh man it's like you want to watch smurfs or care bears asshole power rangers came out they ruined it man all the good tv shows died after power rangers (laughs) there was mask and he-man and gi joe and then power rangers came out it's over you know what's hilarious though you may know this. Mask, which I was a big fan of as a child. Mask, He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers. They were all cartoons created by the toy manufacturer to sell the toys. Mm-hmm. Like, like they went, they went backwards. <coughs> oh, yeah. And so they were essentially, you were watching these half-hour commercials every yeah. fucking week. But they included good values and morals. Did because they? Because He-Man would talk to you at the end of the episode and say, the moral of today's story is... Yeah, that's right. But, but there's man, at least a little more of a, a show of uh, just civility, I think. Uh, that's one of the things I hope the internet will become is I, something a little less ridiculous. I think part of it is, uh, and I, I learned this, dude, I, you know, you, you know me pretty well. You can probably imagine that the early days of uh, Facebook were hard for me. Mm-hmm. Made a lot of people angry. Not even on purpose. <laughs> just like, what? Really? That pissed you off? to be here. <laughs> and, um, and so I learned, you know, rather slowly, honestly, yeah. that, um, you know, the reality is most people don't read a lot. And and yeah, and why by that I mean read literature and 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 like like credible nonfiction, you know, like yeah. and so but we're still communicating through text. Yeah. Right? And so you have these people who and, and I, you know, like, I'm talking about, like, for relatives of mine, family members who, like, the reality, they might read on, like, a fifth or sixth grade level, right? And so how, how are they supposed to pick up, like, tenth grade level satire in a sentence, you know? Or how, how are they supposed to know that the sarcasm exists because of the phrasing? You know, like, subtle shit like that. And so you get into, like, thinking, like, dude... We've evolved to communicate face to face with the sound of our voices and the look of our and the looking in our eyes and feeling people's energy. And and we're not doing that. We're we're trying to argue and debate each other through text and nobody fucking reads. Nobody reads books and they want to have a debate while they're typing. Yeah. And it's so fucking hilarious. And I just like. I'm like, dude, and so what I think is, I think we're in a probably we're in a temporary stage where the technology or the the technology in the the technologies have to like catch up with each other. Where social media is more of a you know things like streaming live mm-hmm. and 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 video conference and all that kind of stuff will become that'll be that's the face of it in the future. <coughs> And maybe even in a virtual setting where, like, you know, I'm wearing a headset and it feels like I am sitting here talking to you, but yeah. we're in different fucking countries. 
then I think you're going to see a lot more benefits from everyone being connected and communicating because we're not talking through text. We're, you know, when we're looking at each other, you know, because, dude, I, my fucking job, mm-hmm. you know, I go to watermelon farms. Do you know the kind of people I'm around? <laughs> people that work on watermelon farms. Yeah. I get along with them. Like, w- politically, religiously, uh, historically, everything you could imagine, we do not agree on. Mm-hmm. But I get along with them because they're good people, mm-hmm. and they're kind, and they work hard, and, and you know, and, and, we c- and we'll even have discussions. And we'll, we might discuss a thing that on Facebook would be a fucking argument and people are getting angry and shit but we're sitting there talking face to face and we know each other we have a rapport we respect each other and so we listen to each other Mm -hmm. and it's like you can change someone's mind in a real conversation you're not changing anybody's mind in a facebook debate right not at all you're not like not at all unless you already kind of both lean the same way like, if you were trying to convince me, like, you know, why, you know, this synthesizer is better than that synthesizer or something, grams. you know, or whatever it is, you right. know, and, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know, that's actually a good point. But, like, when it's people that are opposed, you know, yeah. like, a, a Christian and a Muslim are not going to have a successful debate. Yeah, that's just not going to end You well. know, in a, or an atheist and a Christian, you know, any anyone, a vegetarian, you know. I, the vegetarians don't know about plants killing kudu. Like, that whole M. Night Shyamalan thing was real. It really happened. Are you familiar with that study? I don't know. Probably it, not, I guess. It really happened. Uh, there was a drought in somewhere in Africa, and they had uh, these kudu, which are just big gazelles, yeah, you yeah. know, big, big deer, um, that were in these pens... Uh, for on these farms and uh, hunting, I don't have no idea what kind of farms they were, but anyway, they're pinned in, and they were worried about the kudu surviving these droughts. The kudu survived the droughts, but in random pens, the kudu start dropping dead. Perfectly healthy, uh, no, no signs or symptoms. They call in, they do necropsies and autopsies and the whole nine yards, and they do as, as all the research they can, and they start piecing together that. The only place where kudu are falling dead is in pens where the population is over a certain mass, you know, over a certain volume, critical mass over a certain volume. And so then they start looking at all of the things that they're exposed to and they start looking at the, uh, what just so happened to be acacia plants. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine that. Uh, and they notice that the deer have extremely high levels of gas that are part of the natural fermentation process, but the, the gas proportions are imbalanced because of an increase of extremely high rates of tannin in their stomachs. And so they go looking for the source of this tannin, and they find it in the acacia plants but they only find it in the acacia plants that are being predated heavily. And so in population densities, these acacia plants realized, chemically signaled to plants downwind 
to increase their tannin production so that they could decrease the amount of predation they were suffering. They committed homicide against another species. Or, you know, they were surviving. Which is amazing. Yeah. The processes that were well, there there's are there, phenomenal. There's other things. There's uh, more recent studies where the, the, uh, they found, like, there's plants that, uh, like, they can hear. Oh, yeah. They dance. The, they, well, no, the ones that can hear, the, they can hear, like, an invasive caterpillar munching on leaves. And oh, they yeah. send a signal to other plants downwind, and they change their, so they taste different. And they and they yeah. they taste like sour or whatever to the yep. and the the fucking yeah. And some plants will change their genes. They will change their genetic structure to attract the predators of their predators. Yeah. So if so if they it's possible if a a plant species that's capable of this, which I'm not sure what the limitations are, but there are some that caterpillar comes eats plant. Plant will change its chemical structure so that it emits a different smell, so that it will attract Some the bird, bird or yeah. whatever that'll eat the caterpillar. Communication on a genetic level—it's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's one of the reasons that I think the fungi is just tuning in the antenna in our stomachs, our intestines, yeah, to get us there. But it's what. Oh, I don't know. I just uh... sorry. I go down the rabbit hole in my head sometimes, and there's no way to get it back around, so I just leave it alone. I mean, there is a. Uh, I don't know, man. I've had some weird. I don't think we ever even got around to that. We were even talking about horrifying experiences on psychedelics. Yeah, that was where we started, and and we. Uh, we ended up there because I couldn't ask a reasonable question. Because people should be aware. <laughs> people should be aware. I mean, we're you know we're 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 talking a lot, uh, you know, very positively about psychedelics, but uh, you can uh, you can have you can have a bad time. Yeah, you can mess it up. You can sometimes you can French fry when you should have pizza, and and you. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that that you should be aware. Do the research. Education is hugely important, and don't just get online. Find someone to talk to in person that you yeah. can fully understand the ins and outs and the ramifications of something like that. Because they don't call them mind-altering substances for nothing. Like, you are changing yeah, like, like, a like, lot of things, a lot of important things. Like, shit that... I really don't... Most people can't comprehend that you could even perceive that in a, in a waking state. Perceive what in a waking state? Some of the shit that you'll see on like heavier doses of psychedelics. Like, oh. Like just the amount of just, you know, changing, not just your visual perspective. I feel like so many people get caught up on seeing shit. Yeah, and that's and, not even close. And it's like, man, what it does to your fucking mind is really just man hold on and 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 you know be beware of where you let it take you you know cuz that's that's the the you know part of the thing with the tripping you know and all the fun when you're tripping and you find all the fun reasons that we named it that um is you know you get on these you get caught up on some thought loop 
You ever got stuck in some thought loop oh, when yeah. you were tripping and you, an hour later? Yeah, and you just fucking like keep going in this circle and come and you're like, whoa, dude, am I like trapped in like some eternal, you know, like am I? Am I at the nexus of the fucking multiverse here and I'm just like spinning in a circle? <laughs> There's a Starbucks on both corners. But yeah, that uh uh you could you could think you're you've you're dead, uh or you're dying. That's very common. Um which uh usually means you're really close to something good if you can fucking if you can get there. If you're scared, pay attention. Yeah, because a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of people, that's when they they run the other way, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, have you ever read, I think it's the last interview John Lennon did for Rolling Stone? No, no, if I did, I can't recall. Totally changed the way I see him. Yeah, how's so? in up? A, in a negative way. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, well, you know, he talks about, he talks about uh, tripping and, uh. And he starts talking all this shit about Leary and Alpert and those guys. And he's like, you know, he's like, I fucked up and I listened to those guys, you know, and I was, I was determined to, to, you know, destroy my ego, to, to transcend my ego. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, he tells a story, essentially what happens is he gets close, he freaks out. And all of his friends and family have to come and and reassure him and go, you know, no, you're John Lennon. You're the you're a world famous rock star. Like oh. you're a you're a hero. You're a legend. You're one of the Beatles. Like you're, and like I'm like, dude, you didn't make it. <laughs> you didn't make it, dude. Yeah. You didn't let go of your ego, dumb shit. You fucking you, you did the opposite. You had everyone come back in and blow it back up, you know. Yeah, and and so close. and so then he's talking from this pompous place about how Leary and Alpert and all these guys are were wrong and I'm like dude you didn't even go to college these guys were the heads of psychology at fucking Harvard and you know more than they do probably not no you don't you're a fucking idiot you're an idiot who can sing like shut up you know like <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's where it gets hairy and and so it was this weird thing where like I remember reading that interview and just being like, and he also comes across as such a fucking prick <laughs> that you're just like, man, you didn't get it, dude. You didn't get it. I think Harrison got it. I don't think you got it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's often the case that uh, and and it's something that that I'm working on, um, working out. I tossed it out uh, on stage, but the, the thought of death and how we all everybody's got to deal with it everybody's got to confront it and why wouldn't we practice like why are you not practicing the shit out of what it what could arguably be called the most important thing you will ever do since it is most definitely the last thing you will ever do and you only get one real shot at it so why wouldn't you want to be very well prepared? And, you know, the Dalai Lama has been said, I think it was the Dalai Lama that said, I'm here to learn how to die well. And, uh, and so there is something about psychedelics being a shortcut to see a little bit of the perspective that, that yeah. knowing that you're... that. No, you know, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I, I tell you that I, uh, from... 
experience in that way. Like I, I started to think about the uh, one night tripping and, and comparing it to other experiences. The, uh, the kind of idea of karma and then also the, the kind of symbolic idea of heaven and hell, which is, um, you know, Aldous Huxley, Doors of Perception of Heaven and Hell, like mm-hmm. LSD, and then there's uh, there's other accounts of people having similar experiences with psilocybin and other. Yeah. But the idea is that there is this uh, there is this kind of moment where like you're teetering and you're like you either are about to step over into what is symbolically described as heaven, which is this eternal moment of bliss and understanding mm-hmm. and love and compassion and connection with the universe, or drifting into this dark thing that seems like eternal torture and suffering and and horribleness right and this hell right and um and how the the life you live up to that point affects that moment tremendously yeah doesn't it right (laughs) and so like if you've been living kind of shittily and not even like being a bad person just you know watching a lot of reality tv and eating shitty fucking putting garbage in your body and in your mind and not doing a lot of exercise for your body, your mind, your spirit sort of thing. Um, then, and you know, maybe, maybe you're not happy subconsciously with your life choices. You know, you are, Mm -hmm. you are working in the cubicle and you go get drunk every weekend because you hate your fucking job, you know? And so you'll get to that point and you, you might really easily go the hell route. Because, you know, you're not happy and, and you're not, you know, I've seen it happen to people, man. I've seen it happen to friends of mine in my living room and like there's nothing you can do. And you're just like, fuck, dude. He's, yeah. he's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this will wear off in a few hours, but he's yeah. gone. It's done. Like, and, um, and then on the contrary, I've found, you know, 100% of the time and with everyone I've ever talked to about it that the the better you're living, and I don't know, and, and that's you know that's subjective. But for mm-hmm. me, it's eating clean, you know, getting proper exercise, uh, nourishing my mind with like substance, you know, actual books, actual, you know, actual art, you right. know, a novel, a film that's like really hard to digest, you know, the stuff that's really you know fulfilling and and um, difficult, but music like you know like learning a new instrument you know like and um and being as kind and genuinely loving and compassionate as you can be to other people mm-hmm. and i find that when you're doing that the the more spot on to those things you are when you go into that state of psychedelic you know near death kind of feeling mm-hmm. the simpler it just goes to bliss like it's just there's no dancing around the teetering like oh I might go over here into the bar you know the dark space it's like mm-hmm. you just fucking oh shit I'm here sweet yeah. you know and and it makes it you know it started making so much sense to me like that's probably where a lot of these ideas come from that like dude if you go through life being a shitty person mm-hmm. it doing shitty things death is gonna suck for you yeah. You know, and who knows how long that shit lasts. 
once. You know, I don't know. Like, fuck, man. Because I tell you what, people talk about, you know, like, the, really, like, like scientific rationalist people will be like, well, you know, there's only you know, this many minutes that anything could possibly be happening because of, like, you know, your brain having blood or whatever the fucking explanation is. And my answer is always, have you experienced five minutes on DMT? Because uh, yeah, because forever's time, real. Time doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Forever is fucking, I mean. The fact that you can conceive of now means that forever already happens. Yeah, and so, <laughs> like. It's fucked up in weird ways. And so you're like, even if that's only a minute you know you know there's a lot of even scientific speculation now that all upon death your brain your pineal gland releases all the dmt all of it massive massive, massive dose DMT that dose. might la that might seem like an eternity man mm -hmm. it might be 30 seconds and it might seem like a fucking eternity yeah. and so yeah to you know that that and is to really just go off on a real stoned babbling but tangent but about it what you're saying. back in it ties back in very efficiently when you look at things like maps uh, which is uh, an organization f that that studies psychedelics and uh, MDMA specifically in clinical trials um, done by Rick Doblin who is an MD from Johns Hopkins like you want to talk about Don Wright highly accredited uh, these are the people that you look to for for solid information and what they are accomplishing with psilocybin is um, is being able to help people uh, in clinical environments after ingesting MDMA going through psychotherapy and helping them with PTSD one uh, that you're aware of, but also uh, in earlier trials, and one of the first that I, I remember being exposed to from LSD, I think it was, was um, these people that have terminal illness as a as a means. I of thought that was psilocybin. That, that they were it may be. they did that. It was all it was either Harvard or Johns Hopkins where they they took people that were terminally ill and they gave them psilocybin and it and like something insane like ninety three percent of them said it like. It definitely, yeah, yeah. It definitely helped them cope with their mm -hmm. death and the, and the certainty of their death, and they yeah. felt more comfortable with it now and all this stuff. I mean, it mm -hmm. that was powerful. I remember that one. Like I remember that yeah. study because I was it like, it makes fucking assignment. sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> and and so when when I talk about practicing for death, you know, you you think back to the flatliners, which I think those were Harvard cats, uh, Harvard med students yeah. that did the whole flatliner experiment, something like that. But um, but. People have been practicing for death for a very, very long time. And, yeah. you know, just listening to you talk uh, in that story reminds me of um, what you bring to the table, which goes back to Osiris and uh, Thoth in Egyptian mythology, which gets us back to Aleister Crowley and how Crowley, uh, Crowley excuse me, yeah, please correct me when I'm wrong, because... Uh, <laughs> If you beat me to it, it's more amusing because usually I catch myself first. So <laughs> fucking kudos, I, mad props. Uh, but the story of uh, when you die, what happens is they weigh your heart against the feather of, of truth, and uh, and so the whole concept and behind the culture and the ideology is you should live a good life so that you are light of heart, which is exactly the 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 picture that you paint, and that in that moment. If you are light of heart, then that moment that becomes eternal is 
exactly lining up yeah. with this ancient philosophy of people that sat around and thought about this stuff. And I don't think it's far off to for for people to begin to be honest and start to realize that there are plants in this world that can teach us things and it's time for us to get back to learning about it because you in the Egyptian model people try and buy their way out of it and it just it doesn't work it's the same thing like you're not going to pray your way out of in those last moments dealing with yourself which yeah. gets into all kinds of really cool um um out-of-body experiences is where they started studying it with parapsychology and everything. Right. Um, but that's some pretty pretty heavy, trippy stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I know I've told you, my, f- like, one of the fucking trippiest experiences I still ever had was, uh, was just fasting in isolation for four days and meditating and having a fucking full-blown out-of-body, like, Buddha-level under the Bodhi tree experience. Like, it yeah. changed my life. I did, like, I literally, like, I fucking, I went and shaved my all my hair off. Like, I wasn't even thinking. I, it was like, I came out of it, and I just stood up. I was, you know, I'd been alone for fucking four days not eating, you know. And, <laughs> and I just stood up, and I just went, I went to my bathroom, and I, I had some, like, you know, clippers. I mean, I didn't have, my hair wasn't that long. It was, you know, it was maybe like this long. You know. But I just fucking, no, that's, you know, it was like this clean, it was like this symbolic, like I'm starting over. Like this a is cleaning. Me, yeah, like, like I, 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 this is me for the first time. You know, this kind of feeling yeah. like, like that was asleep for fucking Dude, how old 20 were you, years. I, I was 20. You were 20. The reason I ask is because I'm, I'm also fascinated about this, uh, the seven year, uh, the seven years that it takes to completely regenerate the organism that we are and how there's some correlations between 7 and 14 and 21. Uh, you know, they say at the age of 7, you become yourself. You know, show me a boy at 6, and I'll show you the man he'll be at 7. Yeah. And, um, and so in my mind, there's this coming together of DNA that for those first seven years, you're just a combination of two other people. Yeah. And it takes seven years for you to shed all that and become a right, self. Right, yeah. And then so... Well, it's interesting because it was like <clears throat> less than a month before I turned 21. Cool. So good. I mean, so you've got you've got what could be a very interesting biological timing on top yeah. of some metaphysical uh, yeah. meditation, well, and self I mean, recognition. Trip. Yeah, it's huge. Well, and seven years later, uh, it's funny that you say that. Uh, well, yeah, I was twenty six, getting close to turning twenty seven. Um, I had a huge life changing experience on psilocybin with my friend Clay that like just fucking changed everything like it the whole course of my life i met my who's my wife now like like you know yeah. two of my best friends now i met as a result of that ex- experience or three actually and wow. my wife four people four of like super important people in my life came like from right that ex- yeah like it's yeah pivotal like my music like me starting a band like the people i met because like to start i mean all of it like it's insane it's insane really and uh so yeah it's interesting um what was really fascinating about is you know i had that uh, when i was 18 i ate mushrooms for the first time Mm -hmm. um didn't really know anything about them my my best friend had died uh i was in north carolina at college 
he was still in Florida in like Orlando or somewhere Jacksonville and uh, you know car wreck on the interstate you know and uh, he was 19 I was still 18 mm. and some of my friends up there who I had known a couple months you know first semester of college they were like oh dude you know my buddy Mike was like you need to you should eat mushrooms Mm-hmm. And so, so I took mushrooms, mm-hmm. and my friend Mike looked like the devil, right? <laughs> and uh, which is very—I found that through years of tripping with other people, it's a very common experience. The person who gives you the psychedelics mm-hmm. appears to you as the devil. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. But um, what else do you remember about the any, the visualization? Any more detail? Um. You you mean as far like I mean he was red, um, he was still he wasn't he didn't have hooves or any weird shit but mm-hmm. he was red and he had horns and he had, you know it kind of helped he already had kind of a, a facial hair that worked for a devil, yeah and he had a weird he had, he was he had like a fucking mo like a mohawk ponytail he was like a you know oh yeah yeah and uh, and so uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm like I'm kind of freaking out but I'm kind of not scared either like it was this weird like and um i was like about to freak out i guess like mm-hmm. it, it was coming mm-hmm. and my friend neil who had died less than 24 hours ago just shows up next to me and hey how you doing and uh i was like holy shit i was like what the fuck man and you know we had both he had he had grown up catholic and I'd, you know, grown up Southern Baptist. And so, like, but we were best friends since, like, fourth grade. And one of the things that really proved to both of us that religion had to be bullshit was when our respective religions told us that our best friend's religion goes to hell. Yeah. And we're like, fuck that. That can't yeah. be right. You know, like, yeah. like, like his... Peace and love? What? <laughs> yeah, like, his family, they're good people. Like, they're... they're they're basically the same. They're Christians. What's he the difference? I don't understand. Guy. So, so he shows up and he's and he's got this smile on his face, like he like he knows everything, and he goes, and he looks at my buddy who's still just hanging out in the doorway, looking like the devil, and he goes, "Yeah, it's not real, right?" And I was like, "Well, yeah," but and he's like, "No, no. I mean, all that shit we were worried about." Because, you know, that was the thing we, we would always end up talking about when we would get on religion and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, contemplating God and consciousness. We would all, because we were raising that shit, we'd get back to, like, but what if we're wrong and we go to hell? <laughs> you know, yeah. what if we're wrong and we go to hell? And we were, we were safe, but we fucked it up. We got cocky, you know? And, we, and so it was this fear that we kind of both had, you know, like that, that even though we were moving away from like all that shit, we still would occasionally be like, but fuck man, what if we're wrong, you know? And so he just, he's like, he's, you know, he's like, none of that shit's real. He's like, there's no, there's no devil, dude. There's no hell. He's like, that's your imagination. That's your friend, Mike. Well, then he was like, he's like, look, man, I'm telling you, don't worry about all that shit. Yeah. Go live your life. And so, so I had that experience. That was pretty huge, right? But I was, I was so caught up in partying and social life and, you know, getting laid and all that nonsense. And that kind of was out of my, 
you know, I kind of put that shit away, you know, kind of just dealt went to his funeral, dealt with all that and grieved and kind of was like, okay, back to, back to my shallow life of, right. you know, and then like, a, you know, it was what, I guess almost two years later when uh, another friend of mine, uh, she died in a car accident and we were like close and like a, you know, like talked about a lot of cool shit. She was actually, I knew her through church, but her whole family was like, they weren't like everyone else at the church. They actually lived like, like a, like a Jesus person. They just loved everybody. They didn't judge people. They were so cool and yeah. just fun. And like, you could, you could, you know, you could swear around them. You could drink a beer. Like they didn't give a fuck. They just loved you. They just loved everybody. And they're these fucking great people. And so, uh, like fucking Mormons, yeah, you want to hate them, but they're so nice. Yeah, and so when when uh, when she died, that's uh, a joke, by the way. Mormons are wonderful people. When she uh, died, I was like, you know, uh, that was a real fucking hey, man, what are you doing with your life? Mm -hmm. You know, like you're fucking. I was living in Gainesville, just doing dumb shit, partying, doing dumb shit, and. Uh, I decided to that uh, that finding out about that. I decided to do the four day fast in isolation, and uh, and so I came out of that just a changed person. Yeah. But of course, that shit didn't last either, because no one in my life bought it. Like, they were like, "Who the fuck are you?" Mm. You know, because I was like. You know how when you're young, like, you just, you go way overboard, you know, mm -hmm. I was walking around, you know, like, fucking dipshit, and, and, um... You do that long enough, you end up in a kilt. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> a fucking monk robe, probably, but... <laughs> I've thought about it. But, well, yeah, right. Jedi so bad. Uh, right, it'd be so comfortable. But, uh, so, so then, you know, that was, I was 20, right, about to be 21, and then I did, like, it was basically a whole year... Like, you know, I had a window about two weeks after that experience. I call it, my friend called it my Buddhist phase, where, like, for, like, two months or two weeks, I was, like, walking around like Buddha, and then it just fucking disappeared, you know? Channeling it. And then it was, like, it was about a year later, you know, I did a whole year of going, moved in with my buddies, and we were just both single and, you know, partying and, mm -hmm. you know, doing all the dumb shit. And I had my pancreatitis thing. And I was in the fucking hospital on, like, you know, no food, no water yeah. for four days, oddly enough. <laughs> well, at least you had some practice. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, you know, they had me on fucking just, it's very painful. They had me on, like, yeah. tons of morphine. And then, you know, you're not eating or drinking. I wasn't allowed to brush my teeth. You couldn't do, you couldn't put anything in. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just on a drip. And like just and then morphine, Ugh. and so I've been there. I started I started hallucinating. Yeah. Obviously, a couple days in, and like my mom, my mom was all freaked out because like she said I was talking to some. I was talking to some guy. Not there. Yeah, and, and um, but like, I I remember when I got out of the hospital, I like jotted a little bit down in like my journal trying to trying to hold on to some it's very dreamlike you know yeah, yeah. but I it was like this I mean you know I don't even know it was just like a more like a voice that kind of you know was just kind of like 
You ready to you ready to fucking you ready to wake up yet? <laughs> this is the road. This is how this road goes. You know, like what is this yeah. is this what you want to do? You want to live this shallow life yep. of of, you know, chasing uh, what vain fucking materialism and 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 you know, trying to trying to have the trophy, you know, girlfriend, you know, all this bullshit, all this non, you know, all this fucking culture bullshit that you've been programmed and it was like, or do you want to go this way and be an artist like you've always wanted? It's up to you. Okay. And, and, you know, it was this really big fucking, like, oh, shit. And so <laughs> the guy that was selling me weed at the time, a uh, dear friend to this day, um, he felt so bad because, you know, I, was, I, had, I hadn't even been 21 that long, and now I can't drink at all. Mm. And he was like, he would just give me, he was getting mushrooms from a guy who's growing them. And so mm. he started throwing in a bag of mushrooms every time I bought weed. Sweet. So that's when I that's started just, just munching on mushrooms and going out with my friends out to bars and interacting and, and realizing like what kind of, you know, it was this weird kind of transitional phase of like looking at like, yeah, that's what you don't want to do. Like that's, like it's this it's weird it's like a fucking twilight zone like it's very alluring you know it's 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 this, it it's this seductive yeah. thing where you're like you know you, you can feel powerful and you can feel sexy and you can feel important and you you know and you can feel all these things on on the most on the softest leather you know and all this shit and you're just like it doesn't mean anything man like right cuz you know what like when you get down to the real you know moment and whether it takes you fasting or, you know, mushrooms or LSD or almost dying or whatever it is. Dude, it doesn't matter if you're on a piece of dirt or if you're in a fucking, you know, thousand-year-old gold monastery with, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you, That moment, that bliss, it doesn't, it, you're like, dude, I'm everywhere. What do you mean? Right. What do you mean we're on the dirt? Yeah. Well, Obviously, you didn't just... <laughs> experience what I did. Yeah. Uh, like where were you? What? Why is that what you're worried about? If it anyone's still listening, mind. man, I really, you know. Oh, the the podcast is it's still running. The Facebook I didn't even turn the Facebook live back on. After an hour, that's all Facebook deserves. <laughs> yeah, people probably don't. I mean, it it encourages a short attention span. It does. I, and that's why I use it for segments. Like, yeah. uh, it's it's good to get some comments on there. It'll be nice to go and, and chat and see and yeah. and expose people to a little bit of it. But nobody on Facebook has the attention span to listen to a conversation that's this in-depth. Yeah. And it's just a Well, you know what you're tool. doing? You know, you brought up the one of the McKenna samples on my album. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing what he said. That's part of the... Fucking, we're all trying, man. Create your own culture. We're all trying. Yeah. Well, I have, uh, I've had Create some your own road show. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what this is. Because it's, it's how I've learned is, uh, and if I have, you know, on the list of things that I could regret, I don't recommend anybody wandering around regretting things, but, uh, but learn from shit for sure. And, uh, and one of the things I've learned I could have done better uh, is 
capturing more of these conversations because I've been fortunate enough to get to do it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, no, I think and it's... And known some cool people. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, I can know? think of some conversations I've had that, I, God, I wish they were recorded. Yeah. Um, I know I've told you, uh, yeah, I've told you about eating heroic doses with my 65-year-old yeah. professor. <laughs> the, if I would, dude, I would pay, like... I mean, I, I would pay, an, I would I would give up some of this gear to have, we did two trips. Yeah. I would give up just lots and lots of material bullshit to have those two conversations recorded. Like the, the conversations that we had with that brilliant motherfucking man oh. after the three of us had done a heroic dose together. Yeah. That was magical. Like that was like... You know, and he even like he ta he still talks about it. Like we're still in touch. I don't talk to any other professor or teacher I ever had in my life. Me and that dude, we still we're friends on Facebook. <laughs> we email each other and shit. We get up every once in a while and talk. Like that's great. You have that experience with someone. It's you know, life changing. It's yeah, life changing. And uh, and if and for everyone, you know, anyone listening, I just want to make this disclaimer. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. Um, I. Am a fucking moron, <laughs> and th this is what psychedelics have done for me. Like an, a complete idiot, like just a, you know, right. raised Southern Baptist. I was born in Mississippi. You know, I went to Gulf Breeze. I'm like eight different kinds of piece of shit. You know, <laughs> I'm a fucking, I'm a cisgendered straight white male. <laughs> I am just like ninety kinds of fucked up, and that's how much they help me. Like if you're a well-rounded. You know, in, intelligent human being, you could be the next fucking Stephen Hawking minus yeah. the, you know, paralysis or whatever. <laughs> but minus the debilitating yeah. infirmities. You know, you, you could be the next uh, Neil Tyson or, well, you and, know. And one of the things that I think Paul is... Stamets. Yeah, God bless that dude. Uh, and, and that's exactly where I was going to go next is um, I'm not an expert. I, uh, I have taken the time to gather a lot of references and gather a lot of information. And I like sharing that information with people, but I gave up trying to be a teacher a long time ago because it's so disappointing because nobody wants you to be their teacher. You know, that's great. Like it never happens. Oh, that's great. My, uh, my professor after our first trip, and I wrote yeah. this. This is in my, uh, my novella that I never tried to get published. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the little, uh, fuck, my fucking English degree. I'm so high right now, I can't remember <laughs> what the little thing is called. At the beginning of the book, when you quote someone else, the preface, is it the, it's something like the that. acknowledgments, the oh boy, this is I'm so embarrassed. This is on tape. <laughs> well, I mean, people do different things, but his like was inspired uh, by or he said he said this after after uh, actually no he said it in class one day and he forgot that he said it. Yeah. And and after we tripped, I said it to him. And he fucking, he, he blew his mind. And he's like, where did you hear that? And I go, you said it. Uh, and he's like, shut uh, up. And I was like, you did. That's awesome. But he said, uh, he said, there is no teaching. Yeah. There's only learning. There you go. And he's like, all I can do is share mm -hmm. what I've learned. And you can either learn from it or not. Yep. I have come to that conclusion. Yeah. And, and, and so like. After we had this huge trip where, like, he was relying, I became the expert. You know, now mm -hmm. he's the student mm -hmm. and I'm the teacher. 
And so we come out of this whole experience and we're having this conversation. I just look at him and I go, well, there is no teaching, only learning. <laughs> and it freaked him out. It was great. It oh, was great. awesome. Love to see the look on his face. But maybe that's why conversations like this should end with, uh, with big disclaimers that say, uh, not an expert, but here's the full version of the footnotes. Like, it should be highly encouraged that if you see Russell out, ask him where he read that or how he came up with that. If you see me in public and you're not crazy monster weird and uh, threatening, then by all means, ask. Like, that's the reason that we have these conversations and, and uh, the reason that we tape them is so that I, we can get some more people. And I love when I have a piece of information that will help somebody. Like, it's awesome. But I got all of that information from way smarter people than me. Like, yeah. I am a collection totally. of other people's good ideas that yeah. hopefully I was smart enough to pick the good ideas. But, you know, it's funny because the, the rest of that story was I, I added to his quote. Which was? Which is, but there's really not even learning. There's only remembering. That's a good way to put it. Because, you know, once... Experience. You, well, and once... No, once you've been... Once you've been on that... In that singular mm -hmm. consciousness mm -hmm. place of Satori, you know, or whatever, yeah. all the things they call it. And you realize that like, holy shit, I'm, I am, I am at once everything and nothing. Yeah. I am, I am every being that ever existed. Right. I am. And so like, then, the, then there's this thing where like, that's kind of like, I, you know, I even, we even talked in that after that trip, you know, in our conversation about, how that related to to Socrates with, you know, them saying he was the wisest man in all of you know yeah. because he he knew he was he knew that he knew nothing. Yeah. And it's like it's like that when you go to that place of non duality and you're like, Holy shit, I know absolutely everything and absolutely nothing. Right. Well, I know everything, like, but am, it doesn't matter. I am like, all oh. beings knowing all things, and yet I'm this idiot who doesn't know <laughs> no. fuck all, you know? <laughs> and trips over the stairs on yeah. his way down. Like. And so it's, it's, it's such a powerful experience. And then the, the joke of it being, you know, like, like, you know, when you read, you know, when you read Terrence McKenna yeah. or, or hey, when you read fucking Adolf Hitler, like yeah, anybody that was yeah. fucking drugged out, you're just remembering another just incarnation of yourself as the as the self. Yeah, yeah. Not like reincarnation, like Compton was Hitler and no, Terence no. McKenna, but like everything is consciousness, and we are just a manifestation of a right. perspective of consciousness. and time, and not you know time, the yeah. the uh, linear time being an illusion, and that all things yeah. happening at once. I like to say that time is just our conscious measurement of the motion that is decay, that, you know, that is perpetual. Yeah, yeah well, I love how uh, Alan Watts makes things so simple because I'm an idiot and I need someone to, like, really... <laughs> boil it down. Boil it down. <laughs> but he talk, when he explains how, you know, time is not linear, but yeah. we experience it that way, he said it's the same as with music. He said a song is one thing. It is, it is one complete thing that is all at once, a yeah. song. Mm -hmm. But you have to experience it from the beginning to the end, or it just sounds like noise. Right. You know, it just sounds like static. Right. And, uh... Dissonance. Just, oh, sorry, I 
No, it's go ahead, fine. Go ahead, go ahead. And so, you know, it's it's this it's this kind of idea of like, you know, if you want if you want to if you want to have the human experience, then one of the drawbacks is you got to ride time linearly, my friend. Like you, or maybe another way to look at it is that uh, the tapestry becomes the tapestry only in hindsight. In that, if all of it is laid out before me in time on the wall, uh, I can pick piece by piece which moments I choose to recognize and in what order. But it doesn't become the tapestry. It doesn't become the song until its entirety is laid out. And as you experience it, it becomes start to finish. But there are people who are wise enough to remove themselves and can hear a song out of order and still make sense of it. Like somehow that makes sense to somebody. You know, there's a there is a I'm sure there's a, a what's his I can't remember his name that is he's on the he's on the spectrum. And he plays piano, and he plays by ear, and he is Rain Man. Like he is one of these people who. I think I assume he does like YouTube live stream where he'll just play anything on the piano. Is that? I uh, he may I haven't seen oh, okay. that, but but these these people that are true savants. Yeah. Uh, in in different ways are well, dude, accessing that. I feel like you there. Yeah, it, it like we talked about conscious like consciousness being this thing that you almost tap into like an antenna or a, mm-hmm. or a fucking Wi-Fi signal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think the internet is such a great visual example for people to understand what us nutty drug heads mean when we talk about that because it is kind of it's like all of information is just there, right? And you have this you have this wiring where you can tap into it just like Wi-Fi. But if if all you know how to do is tap the blue F and the blue T. Then you know you're not you don't know about all that information you got access to, right? You know, and it's just like me and me and my wife will laugh at like, you know, some like sometimes our parents or like some other people that are in an older generation, they won't be able to find something on the internet because they just don't know what search terms to use, right? right. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like this tool, it's like the card catalog at the library. If you don't know how the fuck that worked back yeah. in the day, you didn't find shit you were looking for. Never. And so it's like if you don't have Dewey. yeah if you don't have the proper setup to use these things like right. like to to tap into that consciousness it's like then yeah you're you're connected to it all the time but you don't know you don't know what DNA means like you don't know, you know like you, and I know that when I you know have read about uh, Watson and Crick uh, tripping and seeing the double helix. And, and taking notes and, and later doing experiments and, and discovering DNA based on that vision. Yeah. And I think about all the crazy shit I've seen tripping my balls off and how if I was actually smart <laughs> and I was actually like a scientist or someone who had this knowledge base, I might be like, holy shit, that's the cure for cancer. Fuck, holy means. shit. But instead I'm like, man, that looks cool. That's so pretty. <laughs> That looks cool. I wish I had that on a projector screen and I could play a synth under it. That'd be trippy as shit. Like, I just, like... And it's like, man, I think the most important thing that we're going to see happen when we normalize psychedelic use more with all this is, like, when smart people, like, really brilliant fucking people start taking... Having these experiences, we're going to have some breakthroughs. Like, huge breakthroughs. Yeah. Because when fucking geniuses 
altered the, their consciousness that way. They, they, I mean, you've yeah. seen in Silicon Valley, like they're all they're all addicted to microdosing LSD and then mm-hmm. taking like normal, like regular doses, like once a month. Yeah, and seeing incredible results. Yeah, incredible results. But um, I guess we haven't yet, and I really want to uh, talk more about maps. And I guess we can kind of leave it here. But uh, maps. And some of these, you know, one of the things that Paul Stamets talks about is the healing powers uh, that mushrooms, not just psilocybin, have. But the things that we are learning about fungi, that not only is it good for our minds in some weird ways that that people are just rediscovering and and coming to understand, but uh, one of the videos that I shared, and if anybody's made it this far through this podcast, please go look up Paul Stamets talking about his grandmother who had stage four breast cancer and was put on a diet of, uh, of nootropics and uh, angels wing uh, mushrooms, I think are, are the name of them. Uh, don't quote me on that. The lion's mane was one of the ones he talked about a lot too. <clears throat> yep. I get them mixed up. Yeah, and and then the, after a reasonable regimen and, and dosing, she is uh, cancer-free after having stage 4 cancer. Uh, that had spread to her lymphatic system. It, a death warrant. Yeah. And uh, so, so there are things that we are learning that everybody needs to take a big woe up and, and put some prejudices aside. And even while listening to us talk about our good times, understand that there are people in desperate need of solutions that mushrooms are solutions for. And, uh, and those things need to be taken seriously. And so as much fun as it is to joke about this stuff and, and as much fun as it is to experiment and learn more about ourselves, which as adults we should all have the right to do, um, go learn from smarter people than us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let this Please. be a, let this be a fucking gateway into like going and listening to some actual intelligent people who know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And some of your favorite names, Graham Hancock, Stamet, um uh, Terrence McKenna, who who else would you add to that list if we we're just going to send people to do the um, research? Uh d- Rick Strassman, okay. who did yeah. the DMT, he, he uh, Dr. Rick Strassman wrote DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Oh, yeah, that's a good which one. Which is, if you want to read some insane, detailed, and just fucking out-of-your-mind accounts of people doing DMT in a approved clinical study, mm-hmm. it's called DMT, The Spirit Molecule, and it is a fucking amazing read. Good, good, and, good um, recommendation. Yeah, that's a great one. And, um, you know... Uh, Alan Watts, even though he wasn't like necessary, he 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 was pro psychedelic. Yeah. But um, Alan Watts explained consciousness and all religion and shit to me. So like I, I you know Alan Watts between Alan Watts and Joseph Campbell and like Terrence McKenna like like the you know yeah, just Campbell's a good one too. Understanding symbolism and, uh, mm-hmm. um, let's see, uh, Dennis McKenna. I'm on, I'm on the spot. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis McKenna, McKenna for sure is, is Terrence's brother, and he's a science, he's, what is he, a, eth- or a uh, physicist. Uh, ethnobiologist. He's also a physicist, too. I is think, he? I think so. Man, I'm, I'm sure I'm messing up his credentials then. But um, but Dennis McKenna, Terrence McKenna's yeah. brother, he uh, is still an advocate for uh, for his brother's work and uh, is incredibly knowledgeable 
Oh, because um, he was there. He was part of the experiments. Uh, John Lilly is uh, mm-hmm. an interesting guy. Um, he invented the isolation float tank, which is another, oh yeah, that's a great one. We didn't which even talk is another all natural way to have a yeah, psychedelic experience. Yeah. A sensory um, deprivation tank. You may have heard of it described as. And uh, oh, and if you're if you're in Pensacola, go to Mode. Mode Body and Mind. It's uh, M O D E Mode. Um, the guy Arvind is a fucking awesome dude, and it's a float tank place. Sweet. And uh, you can, you know, you can do. That's good to know. I'll look know, into that. What is it? One more time. Mode. Mode. M O D E. Got and, it. And uh, they got a Facebook page. Um, it's on. Uh, it's on Cervantes over there, where right before it turns into scenic. Cool. Like over there by you know Jerry's Drive-In and uh, New York Deli and all that stuff. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, float tanks, man. That's a great... And, and if you have trouble meditating, float tank can be really helpful. Yeah. Because Forced meditation. Yeah. <laughs> Forced introspection. You have no choice. <laughs> yeah. It's but, you and uh, your mind. Uh, who else? I, w- I had one I was going to add. Sam Harris. Yeah. Sam Harris, Sam Harris, Devils talks a little bit, and then uh, Jordan Peterson, Grant Hancock. I go back and forth. I forget exactly what he stands for. I know I've disagreed with a few things that have come out of his mouth, but I, I really, can't remember what I they really are. go back and forth with him. So, like sometimes he's making a lot of sense, and then others, I'm like, dude, fucking relax. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's an practice act. a little more what you preach. Yeah, go eat some mushrooms. Calm yeah, down. go eat some mushrooms, Jordan Peterson. Hey, Jordan Peterson, if you fucking somehow listen to this or someone then that knows come you, come to Pensacola and do some comedy with us. Practice what you preach and eat some mushrooms, and you know, get over this whole commie scare nonsense, man. I... Leave that to Noam Chomsky. All right. If anybody's going to be an intellectual that's terrifying, let it be Noam Chomsky. Bukowski. He's better at it. <laughs> Bukowski. Read Bukowski. Uh, It'll all be okay. Um, uh, the, I guess the last of the plugs, 